And welcome to the Monday Lorians. We are a casual podcast discussing all things Star Wars on, you guessed it, a Monday. We explore the stories, themes, characters, and have a lot of bleh, a lot of fun along the way talking about the Bad Batch this time. Uh, yeah, and we're back a bit earlier than normal because this week this show is kind of bi-weekly, but then this is a double bill, and I don't think we could have waited a week to talk about this one. It's like an emergency session of Congress. Uh, yeah, so we're all together again. Everyone's here. I look around a room, but a virtual room. I see Jay Carrot. Hello. And I see David Osger. Hello. How are you guys doing? We're all we're all here. We're Jake, all here. I saw you saw you last week, but this is yeah. I can't remember the last time we all did one together. Uh, Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Our Rogue, Rogue One. Just before Andor started, yeah. Which oh, seems wow. seems like a, another decade. Uh, <laughs> to, <ago. laughs> to potential new listeners, we did a recap on Rogue One. This, we didn't do it when Rogue One came out. I know, I was thinking that. <laughs> Six <laughs> years ago. It's almost <laughs> like it was a that. different year. It's like, I don't know, it feels like 2022 or something. It's like we're in 2023, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I don't think... Well, no, I know for sure. We didn't know of... Well, I didn't know of your guys' existence back in 2015. Because I lived... True. Oh, 2016, sorry. 2016, yeah. Yeah, which is quite funny to think of now. Because uh, yeah, it, it's it's only six years, but yet it feels like that was a totally different world. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> just strange how time yeah, we just We just got a Rogue One prequel as well. Yeah. Strange that. But yes, uh, excited that we're all here. Um, really happy that Dave could join for this one, all, all three of us, because it's a uh, couple of big episodes to discuss here. Yep, that's a, a duo of big boys. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> it, 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 I, I don't want to go too into it yet. We're still catching up. But this felt like this could have been a season premiere if this was cut together, you know, like the season one premiere. It's a longer mm-hmm. episode. This is kind of on that track, which is really cool. Uh, so, Dave, it's been a while. What's up, man? Uh, not too much. Obviously, you've been uh, busy starting off the year over on like well good movies with our like movie watches and all that kind of stuff so we've been doing some editing and started our chain of movies which has been fun and uh yeah just getting to uh catch up on some of the, like the oscar contenders that are out at the moment so i'm still sort of going through that list and uh yeah deciding whether i'm actually that excited about anything coming out in 2023 but i am continued to be satisfied by the star wars content that we're getting at the moment as you know previously discussed by you know, my love of uh, Star Wars animation and Clone Wars and, and all the deep, dark, you know, gritty stuff. <laughs> this is a fun one for me, because now the two of you are together, if it's anything Clone Wars related, I can just sit back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you guys will go on for a few hours. It'll be nice. This is like autopilot night for me. Mm-hmm. Dave, is there, is there nothing that you're looking forward to this year, like film-wise then? Well, I, I want to, before you answer that, 
I want to make sure you are aware the trailer for Fast X dropped today, day of oh. recording. Oh my god! Well, Dave, there's your answer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I, no. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not excited for anything. I think just usually I'm like that anyway. I'm like, you know, people are like, I can't wait for this film. I'm like, I can wait. You know, I like looking forward to stuff or I like having things to look forward to. But again, I think I've just been so burned by like franchise stuff in like the past few years that I can't even get, you know, that excited for like some of the big temple stuff as much anymore. I will enjoy them. I'll go and see them without doubt. But, you know, I just don't get the same sort of buzz now that, uh, you know, things have become so saturated and sort of more complicated, I guess. But Dave... However, I, I will say like... one that I am looking forward to is uh, the Transformers Beast Wars film, because at least that is something a bit different in a way. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a franchise that's never let anyone know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... That's something a bit different that's had six movies. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's coming off the back of Bumblebee, which I enjoyed, and I think they're going in the right tra- you know, trajectory. There's no Michael Bay, and... I kind of grew up with the Beast Wars cartoon, which this looks nothing like. You know, they're trying to sort of combine what they call a G1 or whatever, you know, the designs of the old Transformers and Beast Wars, which I'm like, okay, this this seems more like Michael Bay kind of stuff in which they're like, yeah, let's get those dinosaur ones in there. Let's chuck them all together. But I don't know. I live in hope anyway. Fair enough. So you you won't be hyped for they announced they're doing as many terror movies as Avatar? (laughs) I can't I, believe that got nominated for Best Picture. Which one, Tar or Avatar? Avatar. The second. Yeah. yeah. Not a fan. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm just just a bit surprised that it was nominated. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be more just in the technical categories. I'm surprised it is, yeah. you know, Best Picture. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I had had no issue. I thought it was probably going to win the Oscars for a lot of the technical stuff, but. I didn't see that coming. Also, sorry, just seeing the list of actual 2023 films, I have been reminded of a few things. Uh, Obviously, Across the Spider-Verse, that looks amazing. Animation at its best. Uh, The Marvels, I'm excited for. You know, I'm somebody who defends that, you know, Captain Marvel film. And, of course, uh, Barbie, who's not excited for that. That looks amazing. And uh, even the Dungeons & Dragons, again, something different. I, I live in hope. Sounds like a lot of franchises to me. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're talking about like the big films of the year, then, uh, you know, the, or we don't usually line. get buzz uh, on like, oh, the new trailer for this small film coming out in October. <laughs> Remember Dune Part 2? Yes, yes. That's, yeah, that's, that's one, one I'm me. excited for, but I kind of thought, leave that to Jake. I won't step on his toes too much. And, you know, just in case it gets <laughs> you, delayed you or like something. You, yeah, you can like the same movie. <laughs> Which yeah, no, but this podcast together. <laughs> You forget oh, I that I host that. a podcast I that with I like Craig McDonald. If I, you know, it, sometimes I can, you know, like step too far over the line, and he's like, "I was going to say that." Blah, 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 and I'm like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> I'm, I, 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 can, I can relax here, now. I can it's, relax. It's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's we should it. just be gatekeepers of each other's interests. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. No, you, you can't like Dune, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the spice guy. I just meant that I don't want to, you know, I'm sure Jake can explain much more eloquently why anyone should be excited for that film, you know, better than I can. I don't need it sells itself. It's just look at the cast. Just go for all those sexy people and you'll have a great time. (laughs) Austin Butler talking in his Elvis voice. (laughs) Just him being like, yeah, I think you should go see Dune 2. It's a (laughs) great time. (laughs) I think I think uh, 
he really cracked how to sell hard sci-fi to the masses. Just make everyone really sexy. You yeah. know, like that's all you need to do. Or that's, also, that's, which that's is what... probably just goes to the original author, just be like, you know, all those other sci-fi films where it's just set. This is set like way, way, way after them. So there's no chance of any connection to like, you know, modern society. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to um, in a Dune universe when they wake up Stallone from his freeze sleep <laughs> and they reveal a secret demolition man, Dune-alition man. <laughs> With his partner in crime, um, Sting. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> I realised we were talking about Demolition Man before we started recording. So yeah, there's very little context is... for Demolition yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Back and and we will keep that as a mystery for now why we are talking about that film. <laughs> well, I'm just a big Stallone head. Creed Free's coming out. He's not in it. I'm feeling yeah. the Sting. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've talked about... <laughs> 2023 speaking of speaking of stallone and (laughs) let's move on to another rambo (laughs) oh yeah star wars rambo yeah so yeah this week why are we here captain (laughs) (laughs) this week we're discussing episodes seven and eight of season two of the bad batch and these are titled the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences uh these are directed by familiar names nathaniel villanueva and Stuart lee uh yeah big episodes i guess we kind of knew we we're coming to the mid-season and this was going to be a double bill so they were going to be big but yeah lo- lots going on i'm gonna throw it uh i'm gonna throw it to you jake because we've just roasted dave for like five minutes about <laughs> movies for no particular reason jake what did you make of this double bill i'm gonna guess you hated it yeah it's the worst mm-hmm. episode i've ever seen no um i was surprised but in the best way possible um so like going into this i kind of had somewhat expectations of thinking okay this is a double episode this is halfway through the season i'm kind of maybe expecting some sort of like big plot movement or big you know reveal or something like that um but i didn't expect it to go this hard (laughs) with the politics you know um i didn't think it wasn't what I expected. I expected something a bit more action-packed, maybe involving crosshair. Um, but no, this went down to the root of what I think Lucasfilm tends to be doing with a lot of their shows at the minute, which is, yes, they title the show The Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or Andor, uh, or in this case, The Bad Batch, but that's not necessarily what the show is all about. It's They seem to be focusing on the errors of these characters and what's going on in the galaxy at the time as well as following these characters on their adventures um which i really like and i think this transition uh, period from the republic to the empire is extremely fascinating me to me like i've always thought like after palpatine gives his speech does he go all right uniforms are now gray um you know, <laughs> you know that's i've got these designs coming like you know I the galaxy is gray <laughs> just like not just uniforms like everything is gray everything is gray you know i've had these designs for waiting for years like does it i have put together overnight? a mood board <laughs> <laughs> black <laughs> it's like don draper oh <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, so yeah i've always been fascinated about how it how it actually happens and um this is given to me in uh, in spades, and you know it's it's what I also really like. What this show is doing is that the different tones and contrasting tones between episodes. Um, you know, I th- I think I said that the first couple of episodes, the premiere of season two, was like 
your almost perfect Saturday morning cartoon adventures, this pair of episodes is definitely not what you would watch on a Saturday morning. You know, this is more of a somber Wednesday evening, which is when I watched mm-hmm. it. It kind of reminded me of Andor in a way, in, in the mood that it put me in. Um, well, I was going to say, um, you say that, because um, I watched this in two halves. I watched the first episode of the two yesterday. So because I watched it in isolation, that was my mood going to bed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling the Andor. I'm feeling like slightly miserable. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like, and I don't think I've quite like I felt emotion before in in watching the Bad Batch, but never like the depressing emotions. You know, sort of like <laughs> I feel really bad about myself because what I also really like about this episode, particularly the end of it, is how they in a way subvert expectations of what you think the ending would be, uh, and what they talk about the idea of truth. And, in, you know, you, the way it plays out, we've seen it before, that the heroes are going to win. But in the back of our minds, the Star Wars fans, you're like, well, they can't really win because the stormtroopers become a thing. So how, how is this going to work out? And I just think how the ending played out just with Palpatine at, at the center was just fantastic. And, yeah, absolutely loved it. And, you know, obviously we saw the shot of Palpatine in the trailer, but it, even in the trailer just didn't do it justice to how it, was executed in this episode. I thought, yeah, some of the best couple of episodes I've seen in anime in animation. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah, and it's so nice. That I had a bit of tension throughout because I was like, I, I remembered the shot from the first trailer of, you know, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just blanking on her name, Omega. Mm. Omega in the Senate seeing Palpatine and all that. And I was like, oh man, it's going to be Ian McDermott, right? They, they're going to do that because they, they seem to be getting him for little things here and there. I was just slightly worried. It's like, oh, if it's Tim Curry, that's a shame. Tim Curry's great, but he's not Ian McDermott. No, I think the fact that they've had him for like Rebels and things like that at this stage, you know, it seems like he's cemented as like always there now when, when they need him. I mean, because it, it does... Great. And I think it's a it's a nice sweet little deal for Ian McDermott because it obviously requires very little work really, um, and he probably gets some nice handsomely handsomely paid for it as well. So I mean, because he also popped up in Kenobi. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, even that is you know just a kind of small cameo really. So yeah, we 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 place bets. Is he gonna is he gonna be in Fallen Order two Jedi Survivor? Mm. Oh no, uh, I don't think so personally. Maybe like how I, he I can see hologram. Yeah, I think maybe how he appears in season one of Bad Batch, just like you know, some kind of like hologram or message, or like he's I, running through a city and you see some kind of like I would video I message playing or something. I wouldn't be surprised if we do, and and it won't be because knowing how season one turned out of Andor, it won't be a big thing. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does pop up in season two of Andor somewhere. Particularly, maybe in like the Mon Mothma story arc. Mm. Ooh, yeah, because what's um, Dedra Miro, right? Is the De- Imperial yes, yeah. in that? Yeah. He's just like, because of the actions of Dedra Miro, then <laughs> <laughs> we must now reevaluate. <laughs> or, no, what's that great guy's name? Um, you know, Colonel Flabbergasted. <laughs> what's his name? Partagaz. Partagaz, that's it. Yeah, he's just like. <laughs> Partagaz. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> love that stuff i would uh, you know what i because I, I think palpatine i think we actually answered this question 
uh, on the Andor season at one point. They were asked, would Palpatine, should Palpatine show up or something like that? I think he might be slightly jarring with Andor. Yeah, I, I think don't so, know if yeah. Tony Gilroy wants to put like the ancient wrinkly wizard king of the universe in his show. I think maybe that's a bridge too far. Well, I guess it's kind of like I- here, even though like in the trailer, I was a bit like, oh, really? Like, you know, because, you know, Star Wars, especially Clone Wars animation always does that kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, like Darth Maul's showing up and all this kind of stuff. And majority of the time they have made it work. So I think that there's always that kind of skepticism, but there's still that feeling of like, oh, you know, they're just doing this for the for the views and to get people excited, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about with a, an animated project. But um, yeah, I was really actually impressed that it kind of did fit. It didn't just feel like a gimmick of like, oh, you know, now we see the evil guy who's controlling the galaxy. It wasn't this kind of like gimmicky moment in which like omega accidentally gets trapped in his office or something like that or you know (laughs) that sounds a lot more comical like (laughs) comic movie than i wanted it to but you know i mean they have to go into the senate or something like that and she's crawling around and then she sees this evil guy and she's like who's that or you know whatever it's the fact that it was actually a part of the story a part of like the situation and she just happened to just be there to see it the fact that the bad batch were nothing to do with Palpatine's entrance, if you know what I mean. So similar to other Clone Wars episodes in which, like, he was kidnapping children, for example. Like, like he's actually a part of that storyline. He is there for a reason. Whereas, you know, here he just sort of, like, shows up um, as a formality uh, rather than just, like, an actual, like, I'm behind this evil plan. Like, even though that is, he is kind of behind the evil plan, it's it's a different dynamic, it's a different working of it. It's He's he's behind the evil plan because he's behind everything he controls the entire universe and this is just reminding you of that it's not so much like he is specifically you know playing around with a specific mission or or plot or anything like that yeah i would actually say i would probably agree with you niall like prior to watching this that yeah maybe palpatine is that step too much into the camp field for Tony Gilroy and team and what they've constructed with Andor. But I think how uh, the Bad Batch team have executed this is that it's kind of got, it's got that transition of Palpatine of like the dark menacing old wizard from Return of the Jedi, but you still got him playing the, I love democracy sort of politician in the evil robes. So Mm. you've got that sort of contrast, which I think kind of works really well. So I, that's why after watching this, I don't think it's completely out of the realm that Tony Gilroy could come up with something that would make it work with Palpatine, that he could just be, you know, acting in a politician manner without the cackling evil wizard side. But at the same time, and like I felt throughout what this whole two episodes, like as soon as we were on Coruscant, I don't know about you guys, but you always, I felt that you just had Palpatine's presence throughout the entire world, the planet, you know? Um, this entire episode with this ominous tone of like, Palpatine's here, he's watching you, the Empire's got its eye, tightening its iron grip. So, yeah, I think it can work uh, in future stuff. I mean, yeah, we... I would say we're going off topic, but we're not because Palpatine's in, the <laughs> in this episode. And so. you know he's there lurking in the shadows when you're reminded of it by Yularen when he's like, this morning I spoke to Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> That's what we needed a bit more of in this episode is just to really like, you know, pucker those peas just so we know he's in the background. <laughs> Thesis, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be, you know, uh, maybe not Nando, but I'd like a spin-off about Lufin's shop. 
and I want different Star Wars characters to come in. It'd be like um, porn stars. They come uh, in trying to sell them crap. Because no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't get Palpatine, but you get Masamita going. For oh, yeah. Pal- going for Palpatine. What is, you know those robots <laughs> from the comic he sent out when he died, like yeah. the hologram faces. Oh, with the TV screen as. <laughs> Any of those options. Maybe yeah. we'll make that a regular feature, like who's coming to Lufin's shop today. <laughs> Though seriously, if he did appear in Andor, the one thing I did just think is I think, like Jake said, I think they could be in a situation with somebody like <laughs> um Mothma. Not a situation in which Andor has <laughs> accidentally broken it down. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine's <laughs> office, office. <laughs> and he needs to get out. He's <laughs> crawling through the vents and he needs to get out of there as quick as he can. <laughs> he's underneath I lo- I love Palpatine. In this discussion, he's in this discussion I've in- Go on. <laughs> I love in this discussion I've invented a reality TV show and Dave's made an escape room. <laughs> No, it's just Palpatine's a, office. It's just a comic <laughs> series of films in which, like, who gets trapped in? Oh, 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 you know, he's like Andor's under Palpatine's bed. How's he gonna get out of here? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, <laughs> Palpatine sleeps in his office. <laughs> yeah, that's the Star Wars universe. We talked about this before. Like, they don't have bed in, they don't have pillows, so oh, yeah. you you have it as minimalist as possible. So. <laughs> Did you not I don't s- think he's sleeping like Crosser. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, I think that you could easily have something like, I think a lot of people have speculated that Mon Mothma could have this kind of like liberating moment of when she, you know, defects from, you know, the Empire or from the Senate, etc. I think you could have something like that and have him like in a hologram or something like she's looking at him and he's maybe not actually physically there, but, you know, she's speaking to like a hologram of him. So he has this kind of ghostly emp- emperor sort of like, vibe of like he's there more giant than he actually is or something like that something that would fit within the the vibe of and or the situation that they're portraying because i think that actually tony grillroy would be a bit more against crazy blue man with giant staff than he would against palpatine actually so yeah i would probably agree with that so yeah probably more likely the palpatine would show up the masamido which is quite crazy to think of yeah, I love that, that blue jerk. <laughs> He's good. He he endures <laughs> from like the smallest, maybe the the smallest speaking role of the prequels yeah. in terms of. But he's he's come like order, order. He never seemed nice. He always seemed quite harsh. I always thought, even yeah. when he worked for um, who was Terence Stamp, Valorum, Valorum, yes. Chancellor Valorum. Valorum, yes. Man, do you, you know the Terence Stamp story about that movie, the the yeah. gift? Do you know that one, Jake? Uh, remind me. I maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But Terence Stamp was having like a terrible time making Phantom Menace. He didn't like it at all. He only did it, he said, because he wanted to meet Natalie Portman, which you know, good reason <laughs> to do a movie. Um, I mean, she was fourteen. Slightly so. inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He did. He did say he just really liked her as an actor. It didn't come across as like uh, okay, <laughs> like when Moby lied about dating her. I know all the celebrity gossip. Um, yeah, my celebrities, Moby and Terrence Stamp. Uh, <laughs> General um, Zod. Yeah, but he was, he, he was, he was like considering leaving, I think, or quitting the movie. And George Lucas said, oh, stay on. I'm going to get you an amazing gift. So he did. He stayed on, finished the movie. And at the end of production, George Lucas, do you know what he gave him? What did he give him? A set of Phantom Menace branded stationery. Wow. 
Was that just George Lucas saying, screw you, like, my movie was actually awesome, you should have been happy to be there? I think I think it was him being very much like his anti-kind of studio mode from the 70s. He's very yeah. much like, ah, screw actors, in a way, you know? They can he push me around. He wasn't George even Lucas. in it, that, is he? How much shooting would Terrence Stamp have to do, really? He's not in that many scenes. I imagine they, they had to do a lot because of the visuals effects side of it as well. There's probably mm. lots of technical Pro- stuff to it. Yeah, it I always imagine his, his like... situation being that situation that Ian McKellen had when he saw like had a breakdown film in The Hobbit where he's like, I didn't, oh, you know, yeah. do this to kind of like be on a set with nobody around me. So I can see that he had that kind of moment, which is understandable. Well, when when James Gunn gets his act together and finally convinces the original Valorum cut of Phantom Menace, we will see all his hard work reinstated. I mean, Get on that, it, James. That, that's how Twitter and the internet works. If somebody says that, you know, it isn't happening, then people usually react by saying, oh, well, he has acknowledged that it is a thing, so that could actually mean that it is happening. So that, that's we'll what we've know. done. We've done right here. We've acknowledged that it's a thing, so that means that it could actually happen. Hashtag restore. That is very true. Hashtag restore the stamp first. Well, it's a stamp first. (laughs) That sounds like my dad's hobby. What are you saying, Jake? Let's just say, back to bad batch then. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Did anyone watch it? (laughs) It was good. The Stampalorians. This is what the show is now. (laughs) (laughs) The Stampalorians. Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Yeah, so I guess we'll talk about the episodes in kind of order. Uh, to quote Masamida, order. And yeah, the first one, really interesting. No Bad Batch at all. No. Completely standalone new clone and return of Rio Chuchi. Uh, I don't know was she confirmed to be in this beforehand or is this a cool surprise? I felt so, yeah. Especially the... Mo- I like, felt so, yeah. 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 Really interesting. Really cool that they they put the spotlight not just not in the bad batch, but on some like characters you would never have thought it being about. You know, like brand new characters and a returning one who I guess she's got a fan base. She's a popular character, but I don't think anyone expected to get an episode of a show. You know, no. He also had some of those like one of those like senators was uh, one of the like the separatist leaders in Attack of the Clones that spoke there you know had that weird sort of yeah like well don't forget the, the, sound. the one who was like the leader would have been murdered but well not murdered, that's i don't know i'm not here to ju- pass judgment but it would have been killed by darth vader so uh yeah i think this is meant to be another commerce guild member apparently another one okay okay but it's still cool to see like the ties to the prequels in this way by going ah look it's one of those yeah. aliens which are part of whatever society and then you also have the banking clan we got this new head of the banking clan there as well and you also got and a center pamlo is the one from rogue one i believe so it's the same actress yes. who's the one who's just like who i'm not a fan Dr. of she's Keynes. very very yeah. negative kinds yeah so yeah anytime she's there she's like we shouldn't do this man i'm like oh god you're such a wet blanket <laughs> It's true. I mean, she is the same kind of in Rogue One. Is yeah. like, what choice? What chance do we have against the Death Star? I'm just like, get well, out wanted, of here. This is why I like Chuchi and Bail Organa. They've actually got some ambition. 
<laughs> they wanted to get all points of view in on the debates. So they got someone who disagreed with everything. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's why true. it's sad that she probably is like a realistic view of a rebellion of like, I will join you because I somewhat agree with you, but I still want to get my points on the way I think sh things should go across here. I've done my I own I'm not research. bitter about like politics <laughs> at all, am I? <laughs> The Death Star is a liberal hoax. <laughs> <laughs> it was built by the Democrats. <laughs> I saw the Democrats on Geonosis. I, I'm, like all in their caves. I'm like Biden. I'm like, name me one person who likes her. Name me one. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to anybody who's watched that video of his like talk in the Senate or wherever it was. Not the Star Wars Senate, the actual American <laughs> courtroom. Star Wars is so woke now they put Joe Biden in the Senate. <laughs> yeah, he, actually, you say, oh, you know, with Tony Gilroy, go for Palpatine. You know, he's almost there in actual real life. Just get Joe Biden to come into Andor and, be, you know, like, that makes it realistic all of a sudden. Some old guy who's, like, shout, frail old man who's, like, shouting. It's just like, yeah, now we instantly buy that this would realistically happen. Well, I kind of, I th I read that um, that banking clan, like, a representative, um, I can't remember the name, but it was, like, a spin on... Um, who was that? Um, uh, Ru uh, Rui G Giuliani or something? Rudy like Giuliani, yeah. It, yeah it, Friend like, of his, the show. Yeah, his <laughs> big, 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 big fan. Um, <laughs> his like name was like a spin on that, um, <laughs> which I thought, well, you're not being subtle there. But then kind of Star Wars has never been subtle in that sense. Like, you know, you have like Jedi Knight, I'm going to die. Uh, <laughs> and, and what was the other one, which was like referencing a politician? I can't remember. There was another one. Um, Ooh. I can't remember. I just got Stew John in my head. No, there was another one as well, which was a director. I can't remember now, but yeah, I just kind of like the tradition that Star Wars keeps doing that. It's like I'm just gonna keep poking modern politics, <laughs> um, and I uh, that's that's the thing as well. Like, you know, I say this every time that one of these types of episodes comes on because people still kind of need reminding that Star Wars is political. Like, uh, there's no two ways about it, and. And I think I totally respect people who want to come to Star Wars for the pure fantasy escapism, lightsabers, pew pew. I get it. That's fun. I love that too. Um, but at the same time, you can't deny that the other side of it is this deep political message that originally George Lucas started and Lucasfilm is continuing. And I think, I don't know, Dave, you probably agree with me here, but I almost find the philosophical political stuff is because it can't, I guess it has more time because of the amount of episodes, but it's just so much more fleshed out and focused on in the animation department. Um, we know we saw that with season one of Bad Batch, you know, going to these separatists um, holdouts, you know, with Senator Singh and stuff like that. Uh, and now back with this with uh, Senator Chuchi and stuff, which is kind of following on. It is like the spiritual sequel to The Clone Wars, which was heavily political in a lot of episodes, as well as Jar Jar stepping on poop. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, I think here you feel the in some ways, yes, like spiritual sequel. But then I'm like, could you watch this without having seen the Clone Wars? So that's something interesting I thought of as well. Is that you know you wouldn't know who Chuchi is. It is relying on that knowledge. And I guess that because it's been such a thing, you know, the the seasons seven, you know, like bring back the Clone Wars. There was such a big reaction to that. So many people wanted it. People were asking for more. And I think the Filoni has kind of you know really wanted to answer that call so he's been like yeah here's like tales of the jedi here's bad batch here's the ways in which i can do this and progress it without just kind of like going backwards 
And I think that that is very clever. And I think that, like you said, Niall, this is a very different episode, but it wouldn't be kind of out of place in Clone Wars. And I think that that's why it's interesting for a show that has so consistently been like, here's, you know, where we are this week, here's the characters again. But they have kind of slowly like brought us to it in what Jake said with like the center sing storyline in which you kind of like open with something which is a bit more unfamiliar and I think that that has worked quite effectively I think possibly last time in the previous season or at least definitely this season we've had you know an episode that focused on crosshair so again they've kind of built to that but here I felt that this was the most like this is just you know season nine or whatever you'd want to call it of Clone Wars in the sense that it literally is like right you know back to a senate episode and you can almost feel like people's like eyes rolling in terms of like people who didn't like some of those episodes in in Clone Wars and it's, it's interesting when I always talk to people about that show because we've discussed it before of the like oh there's a list of the ones you need to watch and everything like that and it's like sure if you are a fan of the Star Wars films and you just kind of want to fill in the gaps then yeah but I would say if you want to watch Clone Wars, I've always been, you know, an advocate of watch Clone Wars. You know, don't just watch like the best episodes. You know, what... I think that in any show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? what, what? Who would like, do that with anything else? Like, oh, you know, Breaking you Bad. You don't have to finish it if you don't like it, but don't skip episodes. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, Breaking Bad, only watch season this, this, that. Skip that, you know, be like, what? What are you on about? So I think that it kind of goes back to what, you know, we always talk about Jake's analogy of the, you know, the buffet. But almost it's like I'm usually on board with the buffet. But in terms of this, I'm like, no, the buffet is like within the series. It's like because you can have different episodes, which are different styles. But that doesn't mean that somebody should be like, oh, I'll check out this episode. And then I won't check out that one. It's like, no, come along for the party. Come along for the ride. If you don't like that episode enough, that's fine. But there will be another episode in a few weeks or next week, which you will enjoy more. And I think it's important to the entire experience to have that. So... I think that that's why here it especially cemented my feeling that Bad Batch and Clone Wars is all about growth and variety. And it's about showing all these different types of stories and having the ability to do that and the confidence that your audience will enjoy that as well. I don't think that there's an like you could even argue with something like Tales of the Jedi or Visions that somebody could pick and choose what they want to watch because they are separate stories and individual stories. But here, you know, I... I Yes, you could say you could watch the solitary clone with Cody and um, Crosshair and then maybe watch this because they kind of thematically tie together. But again, I think, you know, the entire experience is is really important. And having watched the Clone Wars is important because you've got characters like Chuchi, etc., which can just show up and, uh, you know, really just add to the kind of the tapestry of the groundwork they're working in, which is why the, the prequels... And this era works so well is because they've laid this groundwork and there's so much they can play around with. And that's why I've always enjoyed it. I think that's why, to me, Mandalorian always has a kind of tougher job because they're almost set in the groundwork a bit more. And I think that when you see things like now for the trailer for Mando season three, they're saying, oh, you know, these are the problems of the New Republic. And not to say that that's not interesting. I hope that goes well. But it's just obviously as somebody who hasn't really delved into that or the films hasn't presented us with that, it's hard to kind of get a gauge of what that's going to be about with this series and the Clone Wars, etc. You knew the groundwork and people were like, yeah, so how did the clones come to be? Why, why did that order happen? Why did this happen? How did the stormtroopers come in? So they're just answering the questions that were already being asked as opposed to sort of like posing us with questions we didn't even realize that we had. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think for in-podcast lore, then 
in regards to the buffet, you can ask at the buffet for a tapas menu, and the tapas <laughs> is Clone Wars. You have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a bit of everything. Mm. I'll push back a bit. I know you said, like, I think you said, like, Rio Chuchi is a character you'd know from Clone Wars, or you'd need to know from Clone Wars. And I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think Bad you'd have Batch to, generally... like, necessarily. You have to seem to enjoy to know oh, who right. she is in this episode. But, um,. But what I mean is that they are definitely playing into that Clone Wars crowd by having her come in. Uh, but yeah, I don't think you'd oh, actually yeah. be like, who the hell is this? You know, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just going to say, I think Bad Batch does it really well when they bring in like legacy characters like that. Oh, I'm using that term now. But, um, <laughs> but just because, you know, they, they introduce everything archetypal about the character you kind of need to get really quickly. Like this, you get, oh, she's a good senator in a corrupt senate. Like when Cad Bane came in, it's like, oh, this guy's mm-hmm. a tough bounty hunter. They get to the meat of the matter really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think the history is great, but you never need to rely on it in this, which is so nice. Yeah, with Cause... how they presented her in that, when we first see her in that Senate mm. uh, meeting, like you have them all discussing the bill and then you have this one sort of bright spark of hope saying, why are we not actually helping the clones and doing all this? Like, from that little speech, you instantly get who this person is, what her motivations are, what she's trying to achieve. And you don't need to have known, you know, have known what happened in Clone Wars. But this is what I love about Star Wars and particularly Star Wars animation is this tip of the iceberg storytelling where they give you a little piece or they mention something or reference which is not necessarily important to the story we're being told right now. But if you want to explore more later, you can. You know, and that originates from A New Hope with... Uh, Ben Kenobi saying when I fought in the Clone Wars everyone was like the Clone Wars what's that like you know and then he, obviously years later we find out but I kind of love this little just dropping these little things and in, in when you say bringing in legacy characters Niall I kind of think again this is where animation kind of does it different to maybe live action where in live action we seem to be focusing on the really big players and movers in this galaxy Luke Skywalker for one coming in Mando while Star Wars animation just tends to bring in the more background characters who have may have been have may have been very important in their own respective episodes in Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever, but not a big player within the galaxy, but yet can teach the heroes we're following something about what's going on. Uh, and, I, and I think they utilize these smaller characters really well in animation. That's what you know, the little Filoni verse you could say. Um I think it works really well. For me, anyway, I prefer how it's handled here than in live action. And also, I think it speaks to the generations of Clone Wars and why a lot of people say, you know, Clone Wars is kind of, you know, the last bit of George Lucas we had and Filoni is carrying that on is that, again, it's not necessarily a negative, but it's just different. But the fact that then the sequels, etc., they are lots of background characters and stuff, but there's not quite that same level of like, who's that? What is their story? You know, maybe like things like the Knights of Ren or certain like bounty hunters and stuff like that. But generally there's not that kind of attention to detail that there was in the prequels in terms of like, oh, who's that Jedi on the council? Who's that Jedi on the council? Who's that bounty hunter on Tatooine? Who's that guy? Why is George Lucas dressed as a blue man? Who are these blue people? So again, Clone Wars has gone right. And this gives you an episode with all these blue people and Senta Chuchi is one of said blue people who is not an avatar. I'm not talking about those blue people. We need to make people. it clear we, we we like blue people on this podcast. I don't <laughs> want anyone to get the wrong impression. Yeah, we're not being bluest. <laughs> what are you saying, uh, there, Jake? But I uh, I also kind of think that these two episodes 
remind me a lot of how George constructed the Clone Wars. So you know how in like the first couple of seasons he would make his episodes, and then in like season four, season three or four, he'd be like, "I'm gonna tell a prequel to that episode I told," because and then mm. you get the weird chronological order of of the Clone Wars, which you know is is a is a. Um, a topic that everyone likes debating. Oh, make sure you're watching chronological order. Mm. Um, and I just kind of find it interesting that George was like, "Effort, I'm just going to make a prequel to an episode that I made a couple of seasons ago." And this kind of had the same spirit in the sense of like, the first episode was all the political setup to the big action. I wouldn't say the second episode was all action, but it was more action heavy than the first one, you know? And that kind of reminded me of like the second episode was like an earlier season Clone Wars episode. Mm. And then George came around and was like, actually, I'm going to tell the political setup of why we yes, ended up yeah. coming here. Yeah, I just thought it was really cool. It had that sort of same spirit. And also what I was saying earlier about like the, so I said the two, you know, things I would say about it is like growth and variety. And I think that what you were saying, Jake, about like these little smaller characters and how you can enjoy them in that way one is speaks to like how Omega is being treated in this story. So people who are watching the Bad Batch, who's never watched Clone Wars, etc., can still enjoy this for the context of her. But also for people who have watched the Clone Wars, you've got that growth of Chuchi. Because I think that this really, again, made me appreciate this theme, which I think, again, seems to be a Filoni thing that he quite likes, is this theme of um, sort of your eyes, your window into the world. You know, the kind of apprentice becomes the mentor. And I think that that does actually is starting to happen more and more. And it happens throughout all of his series. You see it with Ezra, you see it with, uh, you see it with Ahsoka, definitely. And I think that Chuchi almost in some ways has become a character like that because Ahsoka and Chuchi had like a sort of friendship and they were on like an episode together. And at that moment, it was kind of like, they were both like, oh, we're both, you know, we're new to this world. We're quite young. We don't know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a higher power. Whereas here, Chuchi comes in as a more kind of experienced character, more behind her, has a bit more confidence. And then you have somebody like Omega, which is then the kind of small, you know, eyes wide open character. So what I loved about this is that, you know, that cold opening, like the Senate, you go in and it's all just like gray and dreary. And it just feels like the Empire, like what you saw in Andor, etc. It's just kind of like things are grim. But then when you see it through Omega's eyes, like all this like great music is playing like do do do. And then you're hearing like Chuchi say like this is where like, you know, the, the laws of the galaxy are made and every pod represents a different planet. You kind of had that wonder that you had during Phantom Menace and stuff. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like it's I loved how it not There's only tells e. you about Chuchi as a character that she kind of believes in this system still. And she's kind of inspired and sees her role as important. But, you know, she's still fighting the fight within that place. But it shows like how she is then becoming a mentor to uh, Omega, which is what happened to Ahsoka. Like Felonia said that, you know, he was like to uh, Ashley Eckstein, is it? He was like, people are going to hate you at first because she's going to be like a brat and she's going to be annoying. But she will gradually have all these different mentors, which you see throughout the series that she learns off like Padme, Anakin, all these different characters. And it's the same with Omega. She's learning off, you know, Gunji and Hera and here with... Uh, Chuchi, I think that she's kind of learning about how to kind of diplomatically, you know, like deal with things and what is wrong, you know, like what is right and wrong, you know, you felt that when Omega's just like, you know, my home planet was destroyed and it's like, and I am angry and you're just like, oh, you know, she is, she is kind of inheriting this kind of like passion that Chuchi is kind of teaching her in a way. 
Which is interesting because have we ever really seen Omega express anger before in this in the show? I think it might be sort of a, a new development for her, which I I, I like as well. Um, and I, yeah, a good good catch, Dave, with the like sort of linking it to like the mentorship of Chuchi being like another maternal figure for Omega, because I think she's actually been getting a few more of those. You know, with season one being heavily focused on the Bad Batch and a group of dads, uh, which is I think now sort of more becoming dad, uncle, older brother sort mm, of dynamic yeah. as it's developing. Um, but I think in season two, you know, we're getting a bit more time with Sid as well. Um, and with uh, that pirate uh, fee, uh, which I thought was a sort of me- maternal figure to Omega. So, yeah, I really like how the, they're using Omega to... Basically, she's learning the galaxy on this side, the politics side, through Senator Chuchi. Which, what a better example to set, you know? Which I think is interesting, again, if you do get, like, Ahsoka, if we do see a future version of herself, how has all of this shaped her? And this is, yeah, I think that's what's most fascinating about the show, is like you said, you know the things aren't going to go well, but where is this going to go? Because we don't know who Omega is, ultimately, within the larger scale of, like, the future. And some of the same with the clones, you know... Obviously, in Kenobi, you see some, like, homeless clone, like, on the floor and stuff like that. So, like, Leod is, like, the fight isn't going to go well for Rex, etc. Because you've seen him in Rebels. Um, bit more concerned for Echo as well now. But I guess I've always been scared for Echo. But uh, there is then that possibility. Well, actually, yeah, there's all these people. And they need pensions, goddammit. So, maybe there's some world out there which is, like, full of clones. Like, some home planet. Maybe they find, like, the the clone home planet or something for them to all live on and they all live happily and we can be happy knowing we won't be going to bed sad thinking of all the lost clones. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave, but <laughs> as we saw in Kenobi, <laughs> that guy didn't get a pension. No. Well, that's what I'm saying. Hopefully he's like the, the off, you know, like the one exception. It would be great if Palpatine did another bit of manipulating. He was like, oh, we're going to send all the clones to their own planet. And he just dumps them in the ocean on Kamino. <laughs> You wanted to go back home, didn't you? <laughs> I can't swim. I can't swim. I can't swim. Somebody commits um, benefit fraud and he's just like, unfortunately, this has shown me that pensions are an evil which only leads to fraud. <laughs> just, he's Ronald Reagan now. Yeah. He's destroying like, yeah. But that, that's what you could almost imagine as well how he did the dismantling of the Senate via that kind of logic as well is you could imagine him doing the same thing, like convincing everyone, because that's another theme which I think is really you know, key in this episode and why I saw somebody bring up online, which I think is, is quite cool, is that Rampart's, like, uh, what do you want to call it, cover story was ridiculous, and, like, most people who, like, were fighting against it knew that, like, why would somewhere that was, you know, built to weather, like, the biggest of storms be washed away in a storm? And I think the person who I saw online like commenting on this was actually like, this is actually quite clever because it's something that was brought up in Andor is that you will not see what you don't want to see. So it's almost again as if like, you know, the senators and the rest of the galaxy was like, we know that that is sus as as F, and but we're not going to question it because we kind of like, we're happy with our power. We're happy with our money. We're happy with what this has given us. So I think it's the same kind of logic of Palpatine could potentially be like, you know, this is this system is meaning this, this and that, you know, and I'm going to dismantle it. And they're like, OK, yeah, I don't think this is a good thing, but I'm willing to go ahead with it because, you know, I'm scared or I think well, that, you know, this is giving me 
all these things. I think it's interesting how it kind of plays with this idea of like what you're willing to overlook, which we saw in Andor so many times, even like scenes with Mom Mothma and the other senators in which, you know, so much of that was kind of fueled by money or, you know, like political power. Yeah, well, I think it's 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 all kind of part of Palpatine's plan, isn't it? It's mm. like his need to spread f- fear throughout the galaxy. And I thought a big, like, f- um, two big themes that I sort of found in these episodes was fear and like, and how do you sell fear um, and truth? And what does truth get you in the end, if anything? Um, Cause I found it really powerful that, you know, Palpatine is kind of embodying fear in itself, but he's also afraid himself. You know, you have Senator Organa saying to, um, is it Senator Chucci that Palpatine's afraid? The emperor's afraid. That's why he wants this, you know, mili- uh, bill to come through. Um, and I kind of like that because he is afraid because he's afraid of unity of everybody rising up against him. So he's trying to sell this fear, and you know, and you sell fear by labeling something as the other. You know, he did this during the prequels with the separatists. Is oh, the separatists? You know, they're the ones that are causing all this drama. Um, and in this case, it's the insurgents that are happening, you know, and, and it's just uh, a Rampart. New thing he's like, his name is Rampart. He's gone rampant, you know, like it's it's in the name. And they're like, of course, yes. <laughs> you know, that place which is on water, it got hit by a wave. It makes sense. Yes, yes, it makes sense. OK, cool. <laughs> I'm glad we're all on the same boat here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just think they kind of handle that really well. And I think it kind of ties into what they were discussing in Andor in little Mon Mothma's cocktail party there <laughs> uh, with what is order, you know? And they were sort of, in a way, directly asking the same questions of like, what is order? Um, and going back to the truth, this is where I thought they, they handled the episode really well because it's a lot of it is following very f- similar beats that we're used to with Star Wars and missions and adventures and stuff like that. You get the plans, you get them to this person, there's a timer, you're going to get them on time, you know, like that. And they do. And you think, oh, it's, it's going to work out. But what I love is how Palpatine uses the truth and then twists it on its head to make for it to benefit him, you know? Because, and they say the best liars are the ones that always, you know, the best liars are the ones that have a fragment of truth in them. So this is what Palpatine's good at. He's get good at using that truth, twisting it. Uh, and then what does that achieve, people, in the end? So what, I want to ask you guys, Niall, what do you think is, you know... Is, is what is the truth, truth Niall? Tell us. What is the, tr- what is the truth? <laughs> be the moral uh, like, compass you know, we need here. Oh, I'm like, always happy to be a moralist. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I'll pass it to you now. Like, Senator Chucci, in a way, is kind of representing that, like, ideal of the government. But is that the truth of the government? Um, so what do you make of all that? Ooh, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not sure, to be honest. It's... Yes. God damn it, that's, well, that's a real I, I would say, like, if you want, like, in terms of a line of thinking, which is interesting, because I think there's... One element, which, like you said, is also about order. We'll get back to that. But um, the line which Chuchi says to Rampart, which I think is really interesting in his office, which, again, shows that difference is about what I was talking about, is that idea of, like, what are you willing to overlook? What is the story you're willing to put in your head? So when he was just like, you know, it was tragic what happened. I loved what she then followed up with, like, you know, the fact that, like, most of the Kaminoan population is gone is beyond tragic. 
It's the fact that she is the one who's going, like, yeah, it's the same as, like, you know, thoughts and prayers, like that bullshit. In, <laughs> I was just in, imagining Rampart saying that. Yeah, yeah it, you know, it's, it, it, it's it, it the same both. sort of thing. It's the line of, like, you know, it is tragic, but it takes that one person to actually question, like, what do you mean by that? When you say tragic, what do you actually mean? And do you actually realize the depth of what you're talking about? It is beyond tragic. It is much worse than you're talking about. Do you realize how much destruction was caused by that? So it's again, it's as if Chuchi is that symbolization of the person who's willing to question it. But I think that the entire Senate would be more the the, the symbol of like well, willing not to question it. Because again, we've seen that they are corrupt people who've come from all sides within the Senate now. We've seen that the Commerce Guild and people like that have come in here, which were using the war to their own benefit and are continuing to use that system to their benefit. Well, the, the clones as well in this episode, um, mm. Slip and the other one, I can't remember his name. Um, but they are like trip asking for I the think? truth. What, what what was it? A trip wasn't I remember them sounding slip similar. And it was like trip. slip and trip. Slip yeah. and trip. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, twig that at all. No, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm completely wrong. Star Wars has truly fallen from grace. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I kind of love that little angle of like even the clones are like, man, we saw something that was clearly wrong. <laughs> Uh, and I need to tell the truth, and like I don't care what happens to me anymore. Like, like the truth has to get out. Um, and but I also found it really like um, Niall. I, I I don't know why, but I kind of thought of you when I saw the assassin clone. <laughs> <laughs> it did look like me, didn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it looked like tomorrow Morrison. Like you looked like tomorrow Morrison. Um, oh, I wish. No, I just because you know I thought it was kind of again. This is how. I thought it was really well handled in this episode of subverting expectations, but not in the way that, aha, we got you, you know? It was sort of like, oh, who's this cool, new-looking bounty hunter type? And I thought, mm. you know, maybe he's a cool bounty hunter, and then I thought, oh, maybe it's Crosshair, you know? you know, Because you would think that would be the logical thing of a story to do. But I love the decision that it's just a clone, and then we get the sort of, um, I called it the electrocyanide pill, uh, <laughs> which is... We've Pretty seen that in something before, haven't we? Was that I, Mandalorian? I think maybe I like, but for, for to see that in a cartoon, I was a bit like, "Oh, well, okay, we're going there." And especially his last words, "a believer," um, I just thought that was like, "Oh my god, I want to know more about this clone. Like, what is going on? Like, his mark marking number is sort of they say it's been erased or something like that." Um, and I just think that's really fascinating what they're doing there with this clone. Have they got more of these clones? It's, it's very, is this, is this... it's very sci-fi. Into it reminds me of like Doctor Who or something like that. I don't know if there's again like an example you guys could think of, but it seems very much the kind of similar to what they done with Clone Wars before again, when like Krell used like the clones against each other, and they're like, "Oh my god, we thought we were like firing at these guys, and it's actually like our brothers, etc." So it reminds me of that in the terms of like Doctor Who has done it before where it's been like the Doctor thinks that he's saving these people in the past and then in the future it's like, oh my God, the people inside these robots are the people in the past that I thought I was helping, etc. It's that kind of idea of like, you know, the twisted underbelly of, of the evil you think, you think you're fighting, but it's actually just somebody like programmed or whatever. I want to get annoying with fan theories because I've got some on this. Oh, okay. I've, okay. And these aren't joke ones. So <laughs> these, are, these are my legit ones. Is I think this guy might be like the first maybe prototype death trooper because I know oh. they've been described as like biologically engineered. I think in a, like a visual dictionary or else this guy might be like a, a progenitor to Palpatine's army on Exegol. 
because the way he's got like religious words he uses like you know the sif eternal maybe he's saying like believer but well, this these are just my nonsense things i need to get out of the way it's a, it's that a bit was out there that, that's things, what i was but, thinking yeah. and i was interested in your guys thoughts on because again the it it ends in the typical way of like he was always one step ahead of us and it's very you know obviously everyone loves palpatine because of like you know he orchestrated the entire war and he, he knew everything but in some ways i think that's giving him too much credit sometimes and that's what's so good about him as well is that he can manipulate and you know ebb and flow situations oh, he's to great his advantage at improvisation yeah he's, he's but, great like cuz i actually think with this kind of move maybe it didn't go like i think he did want the bill to go through a lot quicker. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think the but entire rampart thing was set up. Like, I think when I rewatched it, you could yeah, even yeah. see Masamida maybe being like, this needs to go through. And he's probably been told to say that to him to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because even as well, like the fact that Tarkin told rampart to, you know, fire at will, you know, like would you would think would implicate Tarkin in this situation as well. But again, it's probably like, well, if Palpatine told Tarkin to, you know, tell him to fire it and they were all in on it, you know, it, it makes more sense. But what I was thinking was, even the idea of the clones and the stormtroopers, do you guys think that maybe Palpatine originally thought, like, how am I going to control this galaxy? I'll, you know, pit they off against each other. I'll create a war. I'll divide it. You know, I'll have these separatists. They will become the enemy. But, you know, the idea of him being like, we'll create a clone army, you can very much imagine an evil dictator like that would think, yes, I need this controllable army, this, like, replicated you know, same people who I can control and put something in their head and they'll do whatever I want. And then I, when I am emperor, they will continue to do what I want and that will work for all time. So that, to me, makes sense because it is a bit weird that they went to kind of like recruited soldiers. But it's almost as if, and I don't know what you guys think on this, as if Palpatine kind of realized maybe again through what we've seen with Clone Wars, people like Fives, other clones, other stories in which he's like, hmm, actually I've kind of like created this culture with these people and i've actually made an enemy to myself because they could potentially rise up against me or they've created this brotherhood they've been influenced by the people who i wanted to kill by the jedi that they've got this kind of companionship and they've named themselves and the people who made them you know all these places have become their home planet so actually going back to what jake said earlier if i want to instill fear I can't instill fear in people who have been engineered and have even in some ways been engineered to not like worry about fear. You know, those clones at the start were like, yeah, get me back on the battlefield. I just want to fight. You know, this is what I was made to do. So he's like, actually, I need fear. So I need actual people because I can just kill them. And, you know, like if somebody comes out of line, he's dead and nobody knows about it. Whereas a clone probably would very likely know what the other clone was saying or doing, all of that kind of stuff. So with prescription soldiers it's a lot easier for him to kind of instill that fear and that idea of like you know oh i didn't see it or you know it it plays along with what i you know is comfortable to me i've got a job i'm a stormtrooper so i'll just you know keep hushing and follow orders you know whereas i think the clones actually were almost There's like a, a failed almost like a failed well. experiment of his so it's interesting that he carried on with cloning but maybe carried on in a way that he thought was more beneficial to himself but i don't know what Niall, did what what do you think of the whole clone stormtrooper transition like do you did you kind of find it a weird one or maybe this adds more context to it or um not so much just because i think they laid the groundwork really well in this show because there's a constant theme of what now for the clones yeah but i love because I, I i think his plan may have been with with the whole clones to stormtrooper thing is this idea of like all right to get my like crazy fascist plan into motion 
I need to literally engineer these thoughts into living beings. Mm. And he's created so much fear that he doesn't need to do that. Like, free individuals will side with him now. Yeah, exactly. They, like, now they really believe in him because he keeps manufacturing threats. I think it's, like, a really clever sci-fi take on how these things spread. The sad thing is this has happened in real life without chips, but I think maybe that's what's trying to show with this whole thing. It is very funny, though, that moment he says Stormtroopers with a dramatic oh, music. Imperial Stormtrooper. Because I just it. imagined it being redubbed with, instead of clones, I will make the worst soldiers ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it just cracked I, me up. I just imagined I if he, uh, like, if that, obviously, thankfully, he's probably gone through some sort of, like, uh, product testing uh, you know so like they're like stormtrooper you know has tested really well with everyone they think it's enough intimidation but it sounds you know very like approachable as job you know if he hadn't done that kind of key research he could have really like fluffed his little speech there and been like the imperial doom man <laughs> and everyone's like oh, oh. well <laughs> get like... the palpa trooper <laughs> I... <laughs> as as much as it's really fun to think about that theory, I don't. I think I'm with you on the second half. That I think kind of his whole plan from the beginning was to inflict and invoke fear on the galaxy worldwide. That he can be their only savior, so they would naturally just come to him, and it'd be easier for them to control. He's like syndrome in The Incredibles. Sort of like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm with the. He always kind of planned to use the clones, and then he realized that they've got like too much free will. Yeah, I, I'm not saying like necessarily like, oh, I think this is my head can now. It's just an interesting I, avenue I think, yeah, to think. It's interesting to think of that yeah, as a potential yeah. or just a, an interesting yeah, kind of play. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting thought experiment. However, I don't think there's enough evidence for that to think. I think no. we can kind of see that his whole plan was to. Uh, bankrupt the Republic and the Separatists, you know, to a state where it, it has to be transformed into one uh, government. And then I think because of that, but I think Palpatine at the same time, while he's doing his weird, whiz old dark wizard stuff, you know, cloning and... It's ducks, not weird, Jake. It's ducks. his culture. It's his culture. <laughs> it's yeah. his heritage. Um, I, think he, I think he still recognizes in a way that a government does need to be run you know, <laughs> it's like uh, that makes know, him better than most of our politicians. Well, you know, but I, but that's why, and I yeah. think it was it was very well set out from I think I think maybe even the very first episode of the Bad Batch that like over our premiere that we got, where you had um, Tarkin talking to Lama Sue, and he was like, "These clones cost too much." And I'm like, "Well, that that makes total sense that these clones would cost so much." So there is an element of finance evolved in this and it would be a lot cheaper just to enlist people and also make their armor a lot worse than clone troopers uh as i've i actually have been doing a rebels rewatch uh with my girlfriend because she's never seen it before and i thought well you need to kind of rewatch watch rebels before we get to ahsoka which comes out later this year um, and i always like the comment of when we meet rex and he dresses up as a stormtrooper he's like ah this armor is rubbish you know it's, it's nothing on what we used to have as clone troopers uh so I, a lot of it i just think is really boring minute stuff like costs you know but also but I, guess I think that kinda, but that kind of gives like the world that bit more depth that bit more realism 
I th- as well, which I think we kind of go with Andor as well. They were talking about costs and moving monies and things like that. I think also it's just the 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 vibe of what he's going for as well, isn't it? Just that like you are policing yourselves essentially. You know, if he kept the clone or army, it could still be that kind of like us and their mentality of people feeling oppressed or something like that. But if you are being like kind of dictated to or policed by your own people, like you know by your neighbors etc., who are in these scary, weird, white armored outfits it's kind of like you know again that they are like invested and like hypnotized almost by this kind of entire regime whereas you know if they carried on with clones it could be very easy to be like oh well you know it's them that's causing this they're the ones that are making this kind of like military gray will that we're living in whereas if it's the people who are doing that then again it's kind of that idea of these kind of hypnotize them into sort of like destroying themselves almost but isn't it also funny how individual the clones are, yet he uses their blind obedience against them in a way? Mm. I just I just find that kind of ironic. Um, I kind of I was thinking maybe maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe there is a very simple in-universe explanation why Palpatine doesn't want these clones. I think after all these years of this war, it must get really freaky seeing the same face so many times. <laughs> That's think what I'm thinking. Being... That's why I'm thinking. I think that he was. Th- that's why my theory with you know, like he needed to scrap the clone uh, idea was because he was just. I want to give some more legitimacy to Fives. You know, he died for a cause. Maybe he freaked him out that much that he was like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, when he attacked him or whatever it was in that episode. He, you know, that, that stayed with Palpatine. <laughs> so maybe that Imagine... supports that. Yeah, you know, PTSD it's like... with that. Yeah. Imagine using a dating app at the time. This time on Coruscant, it's like. Just seeing that same face so many times come up. It's like, interest, being in the war. It's like, again? Uh, Are you saying the Palpatine would be like Wolverine in like Days of Future Past or something? He would see like Stryker, you know, he sees like Tamara Morrison. He's like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Not another one. His flashbacks come out. He starts shooting lightning everywhere. (laughs) Just because he's like... (laughs) In his sleep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's and it's interesting the that idea that he's yeah gained so much control over the galaxy, and he has these like soldiers who all work for him, follow orders, and again that's also to their own detriment. So I found it interesting that that is so the idea that he's gone the clones just blindly you know like followed orders and it's just like hmm, i wonder what people thought about the death star later on in which like humans blindly followed orders you know and just destroyed an entire planet it's the same thing you know are they uh, it'd be interesting to know what the obviously the senate was gone at that stage but to know what the headlines were that week like alderaan destroyed in freak meteor accident you know and it's like weekly like you know meteorites are destroying planets or something but the idea that he's like using that logic of like, oh, well, they're just programmed and they just blindly followed orders. You know, they didn't stand up and rise up against them, which is something that, again, the Imperials would never do. You know, they we never see them do that. They always just follow the orders. And it's the same thing as the clones. It's, you know, good soldiers follow orders. And even Rampart says it, which I love. When I I rewatched it, I noticed that he actually like saluted or something when he came in and he was like the only one who did that. And then when he's being, yeah, imprisoned or whatever, he's like, I was following orders, you know, and it goes to the same thing of like, yep, you follow orders and you are part of the system. Where does that get you? Yeah. Yeah. Where does that get you? Um, Two last things that I kind of wanted to bring up is that one that I think it was 
really powerful how they kind of handled with the clones the also big topic in our real world of like how we treat and handle people who have served in the military otherwise like uh you know the fact that a lot of um people who join the military for the majority of their lives are trained to do one thing and one thing only and a lot of time that's to be a weapon you know and then when their service is up and they have to come back into society um you know our common society i guess civic society i should say um it can be hard for them because they haven't maybe developed the skills or don't have the funds uh, to get back into society. And uh, what we see a lot of the time is that the military kind of, once they're done with you, a lot of the time they just, well, see you later, thanks for your service. And you have maybe little to no pension, um, in a lot of cases anyway, and you don't get recognized. You may have had so many wounds and stuff like that, but yet you were just thrown around and you know a lot of even veterans get made homeless uh, and stuff like that after coming back from from service so i think they kind of handle that really delicately here but kind of really powerfully by using the clones in that way and really uh, relevant and timely as well was that conversation with rampart and chuchi which was kind of like struck me was when you know she was he was like are you saying that we should build a new army and you know finance a pension scheme for all of these soldiers and she was like well if that is the case, then maybe this isn't the time to spend all this money on your army. You know, again, prefacing, like, rather than using his logic of, like, we can't have both, we need to have the new army. And her saying, like, well, maybe now is not the time for your army. Maybe it's the time for the pensions, which, again, is something that it seems our government would do. It's like, yeah, but if we don't give these people a pay, you know, we can't give these people a pay rise because of this other thing. You're like, well, maybe you should, you know, ignore that other thing. And give them a pay rise. It's, yeah, it, it's <laughs> a big topic that's that's on everyone, especially like in the Western world, and you know, with the UK and the US being having you know military superpowers and the amount of money that we pump into the military, it's it's a discussion to be had, you know. And but what's where's that money going when the people that it's going to are just treated like shit, really, by the end of their service, and no more than a number. Just point that gun and shoot where I tell you to shoot, in a way. It I reminds me, actually, I need to ask Niall about um, our negotiation on this podcast. So, our negotiation? <laughs> are we be are me and Jake being, uh, you know, properly represented here? Like, we actually, you know, we being treated fairly? <laughs> oh, okay, the con the concept was lost on me. Well, I was gonna I'm, the in the edit. I'm gonna go not strike. Basically, that's all I'm saying now. But <laughs> in in the in the edit, I'm gonna put my voice going. He's lying. He's lying. <laughs> at random intervals while you were talking. <laughs> So I so I've been heard just to make it more authentic, I suppose. <laughs> Fake um, news. <laughs> but you have to do it like Palpatine from Tales of the Jedi. She's lying. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say I just I was really Oh yeah, we're well, using that, this. so that should have told us that you would have been in, in this as well. So I was really um struck in watching this ep uh these episodes. So I was thinking like when I was younger and I watched Phantom Menace to be like, Oh, I don't really get or want to know about tax blockades or whatever. And now, all these years later, I'm like, oh, I love that this, this show is about pensions now. <laughs> it, I thought the exact same thing, Niall, but in also like in a, a more from a fandom perspective, how the whole Star Wars fandom at one, you know, when Phantom Menace and the prequels were coming out, was like, Star politics in Star Wars, this is boring. <laughs> 
and, uh, and uh, now whenever we see like the Senate building, we're like, oh my god! Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was. We're like, gonna get some great. <laughs> it's it's the same as Andor, and again, I'm not saying that this be like, oh, you know, they should have put Coruscant in the sequels or like let's show it up more in like future things. But it's just fun how like every time I see it, I'm like, even I think they acknowledged it when like Tech was just like, we are now arriving in Coruscant because it's something about that which you're like, oh, they're arriving in Coruscant, you know, and like you see the planet. The entire the city lights. is a planet. Uh, yes, the entire yeah, like, planet is a city. <laughs> yeah, it's like, way around. they should have just had and, that and, entire conversation. And, like Omega being Anakin <laughs> essentially but um yeah. like and I've always been a fan of that Senate building I'm sorry yeah like, the floating pods I thought I've always thought it's it was fun cool. you know and they've mm. repaired it well after that you know fight that went <laughs> down like <laughs> apparently oh, like a rogue monkey like went around in there apparently <laughs> it's just crazy I don't know how that but happened, it was a clone but... I saw it <laughs> how did how did Palpatine like pass that one off like he was like I was running away from him <laughs> 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 Jumping from pod to pod, like the attack on my life has left me with lightning in my body that somehow comes out of my fingers. And <laughs> I've got velociraptor eyes now. Don't look at them. But uh, yeah, I think it's and even when Sentachuchi like arrived, I was like, oh my god, you know. But I think they played it so well. You know, again, we talked about Palpatine a lot, and there's clearly another Who? avenue we should talk about later, but. The last thing I'll say is just what you were saying earlier as well, uh, Jake, about the way the things are shot or the way they come in. I think this also was a testament to like, this is an animation studio that's been doing this for like 13, you know, 15 years, essentially. And I think they were six years old. Yeah, we've really seen how they are matured and they're able to like pull off these moments so well. You know, they've learned so much in what they've done from Lucas, from, you know, Filoni, but from their own experiences as well. The fact that the directors of these episodes are kind of like names that have come up so many times throughout all of these, you know, animated shows, I think shows that they are kind of like really matured as kind of like storytellers and you know, they know how to make something cinematic and bold. And the fact that in season seven of Clone Wars, it wasn't just like, oh, it's because it's been like it, this epic idea was always like built in their minds. It's like, no, they knew how to like give it the gravitas and the seriousness and the, the music and the way that like things are shot. So here I was impressed with like how, again, Kevin Kinder's music was used in the opening. Like it was just so like creepy and stale and give you this kind of like film noir kind of vibe of, you know, something just constantly like underlying like Chuchi's conversation with Rampart was just very tense and then later on you get kind of like the more eclectic like happy music when Omega's seeing stuff or when the you know Bad Batch are kind of doing their you know break-in kind of stuff whereas I think here as well you know Palpatine's entrance showed how they were able to kind of choreograph that moment if that was an earlier episode you know like season of Clone Wars it might have just been like people talking and then he comes out of the you know the floor but the way that they shot in the fact that it's like the boop and you're like oh shit what's happening and then you see the people like looking down and organa and everyone like what, what, what what's happening and then him coming out and that music and just the entire way that happens it's like the same way that like rex when he came through the fog when maul was using the you know the hall as a shield in in uh, season seven the clone wars all of it i think they've just learned so much and tales of the jedi there's just heaps of it you know in terms of how much they had learned so all of this has really shown you know andor shown like what you know how cool it is to have like coruscant and everything and to have this kind of like political commentary and like the state of the galaxy this has kind of carried that on um 
And it's kind of like a theme of like having Tales of the Jedi and or and this. So it'd be interesting to see how we now divert with Mando. But um, yeah, I think there really well, has they've... been testament to like how much they've learned as an animation studio and how well they're able to pull off those moments. I was going to say, I wonder how much of the politics they will get into if they go into more of like the New Republic stuff and also Mandalore politics, how that all works. It'll be interesting. I don't think it will touch on the same stuff as this thing. But, um, no, I think you, that's where Floney's able to, 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 to do that to kind of stuff, isn't it? Where Favreau would probably be like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think to, to echo what you're saying, though, more on the aesthetic echo? Oh, side. Oh, to, speaking of echo. <laughs> uh, speaking of echo, I'm getting to him. I'm yes, getting yes. to him. Um, oh, you've vi- got beef. <laughs> vi- visually, this show, you know, I say it nearly every, but it's just absolutely stunning. Like, the animation is gorgeous. It's given me some of my favorite, like, standalone shots in Star Wars, like mm. some of, like, the panoramas that we get. And one thing that I noticed in particular, and it's a small little detail, but it, it, it kind of links into what you were saying, Dave, of like the maturity of storytelling, but also the the how they've developed in the animation department, where there was that really cool scene where you know the bounty hunters, well the, the assassin clone is shooting after Slip, and you know Slip does that really cool thing on the bike and goes down, and when he's escaping on the the bike, his hat's like fluttering mm. in the wind, you know, and I think all the way back to season one of Clone Wars, where if you wore a hat, that was that was part of your anatomy. Mm. That was stuck to your yeah. head. Well, they couldn't <laughs> even have no like cloaks movie. or anything. Like the Jedi didn't wear like cloaks. Or <laughs> yeah, nothing like because you couldn't have anything flowing. All the clothes were were part of your anatomy. You know, they didn't move or wrinkle or anything like that. And even that's a little small detail of a cap fluttering in the wind. I thought, man, wh- wh- how far uh, the animations come, and it, it's just gorgeous. But yeah, um, Niall, I wanted to actually ask you about Echo because we just spoke about last week of we were wondering where all the characters are going and we both agreed that Echo seemed to be the most, like, knows what he wants, has a goal, has some motivation. You can tell he's always egging on Hunter, like, we should be doing more. Um, So it's kind of, for me, it's no surprise that Echo did what he did what surprised me was how early. Uh, what did you, what did you make of Echo's departure? I thought it was really well done because the episode, these two episodes in themselves, don't have oh, too much of like Echo in it. But just the way he's been throughout the season, like the signs pointed towards this potentially happening, and I think they handled it really well. Like I loved that farewell with a like, most of the batch are quite casual with it. It's like yeah, we'll see you around, man. It's fun hanging out. I loved that because they're not like. The tearful goodbye people. No, and they, but, you, they, know, you know, they're they'll soldiers. Their, they'll they see it buddy. as like, see you well, on it, the next it, mission. It seems, kind of yeah. yeah. I, I, to me, it kind of seems because they already discussed it. You know, it was that we we were finding out through Omega's eyes. Exactly. You know, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, is they seem quite like not like taken like they just found out it, but they were like quite jolly about it. So like, oh, you're gonna I, go do that. I reckon uh, they cried. We just didn't see them. Like before. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but I like that then. It's it's messed up he didn't tell Omega before if he told everyone else. I think that's bad, bad batch manners. You can't, well, you can't but say I, it's I, okay. I can also understand why he would want to wait until maybe like the mission is over before he brought it up to Omega. You know, because Omega had enough on her plate at the minute with learning all about imperial politics. And I think you can again imagine that he's like, this thing is playing on my mind because I loved like the interaction with Rex again of how subtly that that was played is that there isn't this like clear, like, I need to do this kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He said that, 
you know, we're struggling to find people and, you know, we're, we're trying our best. And he kind of just looks down. And like, I just love that as a subtle thing. Like, oh yeah, maybe I should be doing more. Because like as you said, Jake, you've seen that built up throughout, even in season one again, is that he has this kind of like duty to the old ways or like to Rex himself. And well, he's a reg. So even like when Chuchi was like saying about like the fact that, you know, she couldn't use the testament of the clone who died. And he was like, I'll do it. You know, again, he's like this. He's still a soldier in some ways in that respect. So I think that it also makes sense that it's closed out the kind of not so much problem, but the the fact that he never was really like a true, true member of the Bad Batch. I think that even the show itself kind of admitted that he was an outlier and that he wasn't exactly like them because he was always like, why are you doing this? This is crazy, etc. And like, this isn't safe, etc. So I think that's why... Not so much the Bad Batch were kind of like happy to get rid of him or anything, but I think that they were like, no, this makes sense because you, you were always... I'm glad always... that guy's gone. No, but I, that's what I mean. I'm not Can saying that. Can you believe that, that Reg? Yeah. But this... Is they, there an echo in here? They, no. They understand that there's a kind of like higher calling for him, that they know that like he is of part, part of that, you know, Rex, Cody crew, and they think that, yeah, this is right for you. And we're, we're... so I'm happy. I like that they're su- supportive of him in that way. And I think this very sweet that he kind of you know, finds it difficult with Omega. And I think that is effective the way that they tell it through Omega's eyes. Because as I mentioned, we've seen so much of the episode through her eyes, that introduction. And it just makes it so heartbreaking as well. Like, you know, I'll say that I got emotional at that moment because it's just the way that I think the actress who voices her is just so innocent as well. Just the way like, what are they made? And you're just like, oh, you know, we, we used to talk so much about, you know, like, I'm Omega, you know, it's just the way she says things. So having her so say, hearing, like, yeah. what do you mean? You know, where are you going? And you're like, no, you know, don't do this. <laughs> you sound like Christopher Walken. <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> what are you doing? The spice must flow. <laughs> but then the fact that he says, you know, like, keep training. And like, you know, he's like, remember, you know, it, it, it speaks to the relationship that they've had and what he's taught her. And, you know, the fact that, you know, she finishes that by saying, like, yes, sir. It's just like, you know, oh, like, you know, tears shred yeah, from the is, eye. Yeah. It's, it's an emotional moment. And it was, it was just really nice to kind of see that, like, how much they've meant to each other, you know, each individually, like, to each relationship. But also how much the Batch as a whole is meant to Omega. And she's kind of seeing her family now break apart, which I think is, like, going to be tough for her. But I think, again, it's interesting whether all of this will kind of teach her to not only kind of get used to kind of saying goodbye, but also like knowing, you know, what is the best situation, which might be something we get with Sid. You know, she might feel actually like, no, I don't agree with what you're doing, Sid. Maybe it is time for us to separate and leave you or something like that. You know, I could see that they would go in. Mm. They would go in some trajectory like that in which Omega's morals have been shaped by a lot of what's happened with Echo and with... Uh, this situation but yeah sad situation to see to see him go but i'm well, happy for him what is interesting is although he's leaving a group it's like next week could be an echo and rex adventure yeah it's like they've opened that now it's like because i i still think he's a member of the bad batch you know it's mm. like he kind and, of um, for life he didn't hand in his two-week notice no exactly yeah. but um and we've also got um cody now running around well i haven't and, forgiven that guy well <laughs> Shooting that lizard. <laughs> this still bothers me. The boga. The boga. It sounded like he didn't turn up for a meal last week with you. Like he was just like, I have forgiven him after last <laughs> time. Well, I can't be as heated about every clone who committed a war crime towards the end. I'll be here pe- all day. Um, a a think, lot of people uh, were really thing. excited to potentially have Hauser back from. Is it Hauser? I think oh, was... the, the hot clone. 
The hot clone. <laughs> yeah. From the everyone dubs it. Everyone dubs him as the hot clone. The Twilight episode is, is Niall actually typing in hot clone <laughs> right now. I don't know what's going to come up if you type in the hot clone. Um, but oh, uh, no, he's got the fade. Yeah, he's yes. got the fade. And the little, oh like, damn, like that a, is like a hot a, clone. Like a scar <laughs> as well. Like um, very um, funny. I, I have um, to say, speaking of more clones, um, Rex's like it's it was kind of strange, but I also liked Rex's like civilian outfit i guess like his spy outfit like his like leotard i guess yeah we also acknowledge maybe on the concept of hot clones that maybe this is why palpatine stopped this like it has become apparent that the clones are too attractive (laughs) sexy (laughs) we must eliminate sex making it too hard for me to score (laughs) (laughs) i'm just putting an image in our chat if it works as a link because this cracked me up this came up in this is a youtube (laughs) Uh, thumbnail why he matters <laughs> for the folks at home it's a classic format giant arrow pointed towards a character's face just why he matters <laughs> amazing because he's I'd love if they, what would I, I love if they're not actually talking about like why he adds to the story or like why he talks about a bigger thing they're like <laughs> just matters. like they're like people are like you've disrespected this man he has a heart <laughs> <laughs> leave Britney alone yeah exactly yeah pretty much <laughs> But <laughs> what um, I was going to say is you, that I it wouldn't be surprised if Hauser come back. Though. They seem to be setting him up as something as, you know, within that kind of, maybe it's a yeah. hot clone crew. I don't know. It depends how much you're into, uh, you know, Echo, Cody, Rex and Hauser. <laughs> that would be a very boring, like, charity calendar, like the sexy <laughs> clones of the Republic. It's like, <laughs> yep, all look the same. Yep. Yep. A wrecker. Yep. <laughs> I suppose a wrecker, Hunter and tech would all look different slightly yeah they have more variation at least um uh, one last thing i'd say about um because you mentioned you know uh, echo seeing it through uh, omega's eyes um the back to palpatine though i did really like seeing through omega's eyes you know when you have the alarm and palpatine comes up and Omega sees him, and then she crawls back into the shadows. Like it's because she was she in his just... office before. She knows. That's <laughs> <laughs> She knows. Um, but yeah, I just found that she's like she can feel, the, you know, the evil, the the cold <laughs> off him in a way, and be like, oh. Especially because she was meditating earlier as well. So this seems to be. Yeah, know. I like that. I like that, and I also really liked how they addressed of like, yeah, it doesn't kind of work for me. <laughs> and also the echo again being the soldier years and the you know days of the republic is just like because you're not a jedi you know i just i just love the idea <laughs> that he's just like only jedi are magic you know i just love that idea that he's like again he's not suckered in by like you know the crosshair bullshit of like you know the they are traitors to the empire sort of thing you know because <laughs> none of the others talk well, about well, that well, you know he, they're just well, like yeah they're whoever they're this yeah, kid well, i suppose because his chip was damaged when he obviously got caught so he mm-hmm. didn't get that order 66 stuff but um yeah, fascinating stuff. I I, I love these. Episodes. Like it's, it'll be really interesting to see where they go with with these characters, um, because I think we're definitely building up to something. But it's a slow burn, and I kind of like this slow burn approach of individual adventures. Um, and it's like like you said at the beginning, Dave, with this sort of buffet of different little, like the tapas menu <laughs> that you mentioned, <laughs> Niall. Um, but at the same time, they all complement each other. So they could be standalones, but I think each episode is building on these characters to, to when we get to big episodes like this, everything they've learned on the way, it all matters to their motivations and opinions by the end of this episode. 
So yeah, I'd be really interesting to see where where this keeps going. Um, I, I will say wanna... um, just because we, I feel like this kind of era now, the kind of prequel or post Empire thing, because we've been in it for quite a while with this and or kind of Tales of the Jedi as well. I am it is making me kind of excited for Mando, just as a little step away. It's like let's jump ahead now. But that's I why think I think that's... that's why I think it works well in that they've kind of like programmed it in that way that they're like let's look at this era like you know jake said but again mm. not necessarily like let's keep doing it you know i think they intentionally kind of grouped this all together to kind of so you go into bad batch being like still having that feeling but without it being kind of directly like oh you know because I, I think even the fact that mom mothma didn't show in this these episodes mm. was incredible restraint and i applaud them for not putting her in these episodes even just mm. in a fleeting glimpse because again it would have been just too on the nose so I think that it was effective as well in the way that they're kind of like subtly telling you, yep, you know, it's the same kind of era, it's the same vibes, you know, the the Senate is kind of like very different now. So I think that that is effective in kind of like giving you that. But I agree that like now it's come to this stage, you're like, okay, cool, time for something new. Is that actual you know young Jedi about... show first? Maybe that's maybe the <laughs> palate cleanser. <laughs> Do you know what sucks is the, the only bad thing about Mon Mothma not being there is it means she was at home with her crappy family oh, life. Oh, God, yeah. Perrin. With Perrin. <laughs> day Perrin. drinking and bitching at her. Oh, boy. God. And her daughter. Oh, well, her daughter probably would have been very young at this point, so. Might have still been a bad egg, you know. <laughs> yeah, spitting food out and stuff like that. <laughs> Christ. She was probably, oh, maybe, maybe Mom Mothra was already starting to move her money around at this stage. She was like, there's a really important vote today. It's probably a good time to move my money around when Palpatine's not looking. I wonder what, I wonder what Luthan was up to at this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd that. love to know. They could have oh, cut, that. they could have cut away to him in the Senate and that was his inspiration. Like again, good restraint that they haven't done anything like that so far. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Sun Sky Scared has a voice for animation, but... I'd miss not seeing his real face delivering those monologues. <laughs> his, his, actually, because a final question, I guess, before we head out to you, both of you. Do you think someone like Luthen would pop up in other Star Wars stories? Like, especially, like, particularly, like, you know, these sort of in-between times, you know, like we see Saul, Saul Guerrero pop up a few times in different shows. Um not saying Stellan Skarsgård would play him live action again, but do you think he would voice him in like if he came in animation or something? I'd say it's not outside the realm of possibility. I, I personally don't want him to because I think kind of the power of that character is, and I hope they don't change this because I love Everything. it. Is the idea that he's like quite a normal, unassuming guy in a lot of ways who's doing this. I think that works really amazingly. I know there's some people like maybe he's a Jedi. I was like that oh, would be no. so terrible. Yeah, I think I think the idea of him being so like under the radar and like behind this and like that entire speech he gives about like what he has to do and sacrifice and a lot of what people have liked about him is the fact they could just be a normal guy. I think that that is what makes it work. But also, I think that Stan Skarsgård wouldn't would come back. I think as like many actors would. But I don't think Tony Gilroy would necessarily want him to show in anything else. I think that he would be quite precious that he's the character that is like exclusive to that show because he kind of represents what the show is about. The kind of like balance of 
good, evil, and what you must do. I think he just wouldn't fit the vibe of anything else. Like, yes, you could have him, like, Saw, like, turn up and be like, I'm going to help you with this mission or something like that. Like, But ultimately, I don't think that that would give us anything necessarily. Like, Saw would, you know, it adds a bit to about, like, what's happening at that time and, like, the, the fighting that is going on. But I don't think it would really give you anything but just, like, a, yeah. a glorified I think cameo. Just... I think creatively, I think that... Either Gilroy would be very precious of that, or even maybe Stan Skarsgård might agree with him in that sense and also not do it on those grounds. Or, again, people like Floney or just Pablo Hidalgo or any of them might just all be like, no, like we understand that this works within that concept and we don't want to ruin that. No, I totally get it. i just kind of been selfish and want more Lutheran because <laughs> I think he's a great character. And I think a really good way maybe of doing it, I saw someone um, talk about this in an article um, is that maybe like a one-off standalone graphic novel about Luther? Yeah, maybe something like that. You know, it's the thing, things like that where you know it's not too much pressure. You can have like these little solo adventures and discover more. But I, and I'm and I'm thinking like you know like an adult graphic novel. You know, I think it's oh. a, something that I don't think Star Wars have kind of done yet. They've done obviously comics, but I'm talking like you know, about like the '80s DC stuff. You know. Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, Luther, the killing joke. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to hear. I, you I just want to see it, hear him say like people's names, basically, isn't it? Just you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you, Jake. But I think maybe I'd like a really thick, heavy novel, more so than comic. I because I I'd like to like, really sink into that bad boy. That actually, and, yeah, like, that that'd be great. Yeah, imagine him. Yeah, so Luthen still um. Still great. Still great. Counter proposal to Dave. What if he was to be in a situation having to escape Palpatine's office? <laughs> that's how he was. That's how he became the man. You know, he's like, do you know what I had to sacrifice? <laughs> I had to strip <laughs> off all of my clothes and I had to oil myself up. And <laughs> I had to myself, to myself <laughs> up. Get through a vent. <laughs> you have no idea what I had to go through. Well, where do you think Palpatine gets all his art pieces from? Yeah, true, very true. Yeah, that's that the real sacrifice. Like. He's like, do you realize how much I have to sacrifice? I have to like I just want, Donald Trump. I just want to see uh, maybe like, it's the finest exquisite piece uh, and uh, Palpatine's like, uh, it's too expensive, I'll give you 300. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, I don't like, think... Like, if I scrap all those pensions. I don't think Palpatine <laughs> would shop at the same place the Mon Mothma does. I think he would like see it as below him. If like, you know, I think he's got like an even, even more prestige. Probably that man who was in Rebels, wasn't there? The one who was like, oh, you know, the, this is where the time portal thing is. You know, maybe it's that guy who's his uh, art, <laughs> antiques imp- man. The imperial dignity from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it's that pup. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, any any more thoughts on these two episodes, or will we go into questions? Questions. Uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Let's go to questions. I think I think we've spoken enough. I think we've spoken a lot about Palpatine specifically and Andor frequently, but I think we've got through the Bad Batch, covering a lot of ground. You know, the only other thing I would just want to give credit to, we said like music, things like that, the animation is. I also want to shout out Jennifer Hale who. Sh- voices Chuchi, which is very nice that she came back because again it's such a like you know random role from so long ago probably does do other star wars clone wars voices etc she also voices that commerce guild you know weird alien which is like i agree you know so one great diversity there that she does both of those characters but yeah i just 
think she's a great voice actress in which again she's got that like very strong well, know, like kiwi sort of accent and like getting over the passion of of the character doesn't and again it, it sold you on like yes yeah, this is the same character she sounded exactly the same what was um what was that alien called again they didn't have, well what yeah. i saw on imdb didn't have a name but uh yeah it was just yeah but pop- you, you know the one i'm talking about yeah. i love how every like every time she said a name it sounded like an insult yeah bail organa yeah <laughs> i disagree i couldn't disagree more and it's like well could you tell us more why why please tell us <laughs> What about you, Niall? Any uh, any lasting closing thoughts on these couple of episodes? No, not really. Just great stuff. I think um, it came at a good time. I think a, a lot of the things I was saying last week, I think to you, Jake, it was like, oh, when are they going to get back to the A plot and all that? We're back on it. I feel like it, this has been a cool boost of energy and a sense of direction. So, yeah, really, really strong stuff. Um, probably, ooh, probably definitely up there in like the highest echelon of Bad Batch, I would say. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with you. It's up there. Some some of the better stories within the, the show so far. Exciting and do you think stuff, for man. vibes, Niall? Do you think like the the like because I think we spoke about like how strong it was, and like I was saying about like noir and things like that. You know, as a big genre filmmaker guy yourself, do do you think that this stood out in terms of like having that more genre tension atmosphere compared to other episodes? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I felt necessarily noir so much as like political thriller. Mm, like kind yeah. of seventy stuff, a lot of stuff Andor was kind of aiming for as well. And just like my favorite, favorite political thriller, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, really <laughs> made me think. No, I do like that one, but I just always found it funny. People always said, oh, it's a political 70s style conspiracy thriller. It's like, mm. it's fun. It's a good movie, but, uh, but I digress. I digress. There's a German uh, man who's made himself a computer. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> sure? um, which I'm, oh, I'm in favour with. He's Swiss. Uh, uh, it, he's Swiss. It wouldn't. Oh yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, be one of our bad batch episodes without me mentioning uh, one of my favourite tech lines. Yes, I was actually which, surprised at that. Which, um, obviously, because we talk about the tone of this is quite serious and, and depressing at times, uh, so there wasn't much room for like the standard comedy that we get. But we do get one line that I noted. Uh, where tech, you know, he ju- in the escape pod sort of thing. Um, I was off by 6.4 meters. Not my best. Mm. <laughs> He's already putting his uh, jump pod in or whatever that thing was called to good use. He's just like, I was worried that oh, the they were going to have like, yeah. I, I'll take over this one. I know what to do. I was like, oh no, are they going to like really be shoehorning it, this in? But they kind of did it subtly. I liked it because especially when they got inside of it and he was just like, you're just going to have to like propel yourself. And he was like, yes, I can undertake that. Yeah, leave you know, it like, to me. <laughs> Yeah, you love, I just love tech so much. And then um, last thing, last, last, last thing. Uh, when uh, Senator Chuchi is being introduced to the Bad Batch and then just Omega's, hello. Yeah, that was great, yeah. <laughs> I, I That has to be a gif or just like a picture on its own. Yeah, I, I really like that. Just, uh, further Excellent. adds to Omega's endearment as a character. She's great. Excellent. So I want to I do something different for questions this week. Uh, a big difference is... Both these questions are for me. Oh. And I want Senate style, the two of you, to quickly debate and make a consensus or an argument for these points. <laughs> How okay? do you get out of Palpatine's office? <laughs> <laughs> That's too new, but um, that could be it. That could be a discussion for another day. Okay, so I've got two two questions. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Do you want do you want to name your parties in the Star Wars or Man- Mandalorian universe? 
Um, um, oh, I don't know. I'll Yaz- say, or maybe uh, the Osgarians and the Hartigans or something. <laughs> yeah. Give yourselves planets. Okay. So first question. In the Imperial Senate, do the delegates from the planet of the ETs support Palpatine or not? <laughs> um, I well, that's I'm adding a completely different context to this. In that, what if like the planet of the ETs was also hit by a giant storm and they're they're gone? <laughs> they're sent to Earth. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe that's Ooh. that. There we go. That's why ET, why they're flying around trying to find a new planet. It was lost in Star Wars. When so, uh, I'm gonna, and, and this is what nobody should ever do, but I'm gonna base an entire species off one character. Ooh, and and that's ET because that's the only <laughs> ET alien that I'm familiar with. <laughs> I love uh, your your political plea starts with I'm going to be racist. <laughs> Um, uh, well, I think we no, see a, a silhouette racist, of another one on the ship, stero- don't we? Stereotype. <laughs> I should say more stereotyping, not racist. Okay, um, if we're going to so, split hairs. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but I would say um, E.T. is all about friendship and compassion. It's all about unity. phoning home. It's just like, you are yeah. racist. It's not <laughs> joking, joking. Well, uh, but he also understands being with family and stuff like that. So... Based on that, I'm going to say that the species are genuinely good-hearted <laughs> beings. So I would say they were against Palpatine, and that's why their, a storm destroyed their planet. So we're, we're in agreement, Fan. Let's, let's not forget the agreement. Watto logic, though. You know, One character does not represent a species. <laughs> as much as like that's, the rest of them true. can be very yeah. dignified and lovely people, you can still have a scumbag. <laughs> Flying what around. What about the Sebulba counter-argument? <laughs> oh, all the dugs. All the dugs are terrible. Yes, yeah. yeah they're all assholes. True, true. I'll say it. <laughs> cool. So, um, E.T. Innocent. E.T., you can change Wikipedia. You can change Wikipedia. <laughs> confirmed, not fascist. <laughs> I wish I had a soundboard. <laughs> okay, so question number two. And this is less in-universe and more, more for kind of my sake. Okay. <laughs> Is Wrecker's fear of flying a direct reference to B.A. Baracus in the A-Team and his fear of flying? I mean, it very well could be since the Bad Batch is based off the A-Team. I I mean, I don't really Mm. know how any other way... I don't see them so much A-Team. I guess I see it more like, you know, well, maybe Predator is just based off hunter i guess but that's more rambo but i don't know i kind of see them more as like a sci-fi you know alien fighting team like from those type of films in which again they get a band of characters together like alien (laughs) from their very introduction in that clone wars arc i was like hey it's the star wars a team yeah no i okay i can (laughs) i I was like they're very much embodying that archetype characters for that they're in you know you got the strong guy the leader the yeah marksman, that's and, why and the, the, the that's tech, why like, i don't like, think as much as they like their references and again floney's like quite a big genre guy with like you know godzilla and stuff i think that i don't think they would be that on nose with like a character trait i think it would be more just like he's this big lovable like guy who has his little teddy bear and stuff like that so it might be funny i think they just add into the kind of like cliche of that animated trope but 
Maybe, maybe I'd be proven I, wrong. I think just making specifically the strong guy at a group scared of flying, I, I can't help but feel that. Because they don't reference mm. the A-team much at all. It just has a yeah. similar pre- premise. But yeah. I, I have to imagine it's a, it's a reference. Not like I, an in-your-face reference, just like like mm. you said, the Rambo kind of Sonny Liston looks and I w- like. And I would say that's a perfectly logical interpretation. Okay, so we've got... Oh, this, this is a good one. So there's a, a disagreement, but I think a, a good disagreement. Okay, I enjoyed that. So those are my questions for this week. Uh, thank you to myself. <laughs> uh, you can both applaud me now <laughs> for my hard work. This is where we need a soundboard to get the... The clapping uh, sound effect. No, yeah. we're, we're in the Senate. We're like, <laughs> this, is how the, this is how the podcast dies with thunderous applause. <laughs> yeah. The nose have it. The nose have it. Yes. <laughs> it's like Okey that clip dope. that was going around in which you need like a top hat or something to like raise a motion or whatever that bullshit was. So it's like, now you need your hat to like close out the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Palpatine, like in the in universe, that's what will make him realistic when it comes into Andor. Is that you need to wear like a dark, sinister cloak to like change the galaxy or like make a motion like that. That's the next season of Andor. It needs to be bellowing in the wind. Yeah, like next season Andor, Mon Mothma's just there in this dark cloak, like being like the the plight of the people is. I'm I'm sorry, this is just ridiculous. Can I take this off now? And like just massive media, like you must wear the cloak or you will not be listened to. (laughs) And I must must also hold this big staff. (laughs) It must have been really weird for the Senate the first time Palpatine came in at the end of Revenge of the Sith in the cloak. Before yeah. they knew the story, they're like, what the hell? Did you just get out the shower? This <laughs> <It's> is robe. <laughs> so, that, yeah, Palpatine in the shower, that's my final thought for this week. And uh, again, you guys? That, that is how somebody is trying to get out of his office. He's having a shower. They're like, this is my time to leave. <laughs> it's always the same. They're under the bed. They see the, the well. drawers drop down. They're like... <gasps> <laughs> it's like a sex comedy this is great well Ray, Ray's dad needed to be created somehow oh my lord uh, Chad Palpatine as I call him <laughs> Chad Palpatine <laughs> so uh, yeah um, final thoughts I'm just really excited to see where this season goes this was great two parody had a blast yeah I had a blast uh, the only thing uh, I'm, I'm because I'm enjoying this show so much I am kind of feeling now more than ever really disappointed that in a matter of weeks it's going to get overshadowed by Mando Season 3. That is nothing, no slight on the show The Mandalorian itself. Uh, Naturally, that will have more eyes on it because it's such a more popular show. But I think it will overshadow Bad Batch and I think that's a big shame because they're doing some really good stuff here. Especially from the angle of just, again, like, you see those articles that were, like, you know, um, where Man- uh, Mando and Baby Grogu are next. And, you know, it's, it's the, just that idea of, like, again, it's so, like, heavily emphasized on what is Baby Yoda doing? What is Grogu doing? Like, people who are just like, I'm just watching this for him. And it's just like, uh, <laughs> such a better story there, you know, apart from his, you know, so... And here, you know, you're getting a very great story with a, you know, a young child experiencing the galaxy here. So, yeah, I hope it doesn't overshadow it too much in that. Especially, again, it might be similar to Kenobi or Book of Boba Fett in, get, in which Mando maybe doesn't make as big a splash as people might think. Or if it does, 
again, hopefully it's not to the detriment of other shows in which people are like, see, this is why this is better, or like this completely knocked everything out of the park. Because for me, you know, I've been here like having my cake and eating it too, in terms of having like Andor, Bad Batch, Tales of the Jedi, you know, I've absolutely loved all that stuff. So, you know, if anybody then comes along is just like, all of that stuff was crap, this is what matters, I'm, you know, I'm going to get defensive. <laughs> it's like Hauser, it matters. Yeah. <laughs> Why this matters? Why yeah. this matters? Just I do like a, the idea of pointing a Grogu chain, Mandal- <laughs> chain link being like, Why this matters? <laughs> I do like the idea of a Bad Batch versus Mandalorian being the next fan base divide. That just would crack me up. Oh. Like, I did also see it ages ago. I remember seeing somebody was like, Oh, how cool would it be if we had a grown-up Omega pop up in the Mandalorian? I was like, no, no, no. Was that was that the same one that said played by Florence Pugh? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think they had like a cast recommendation, but like they had like this. That was killing me. They had like this drawing of like Omega grown up in like a makeshift Bad Batch armor sort of thing. I was like, ah, like you know, sometimes animation can just be animation, you know. I don't. I think, I, do, I, I think they could do it, but I think you'd have to see Omega's story within Bad Batch first. You know. It's yeah. Against, I yeah. Do, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm open to it, but mm. you know. Yeah. Like I said, let, let's let's see her story finish let's through just, in Bad Batch. And let's just wait until Tamira Morrison can put on a blonde wig and you know play. <laughs> <laughs> no. The time's coming. Time's yeah. coming. But I no. I uh, I think to the the question of like you know, in terms of excitement and stuff like that. I think this has made me a lot more excited for the rest of the show. I was already loving it and enjoying it anyway, but I think, like, the sort of, like, exploring the tomb episode made me a bit wary of being like, okay, I'm fairly certain that there is an A storyline here and there's a kind of, like, thread that we're leading to, but this does feel very Adventure of the Week, which, you know, people did complain about before, which, again, is not a bad thing, but I did kind of want to get a bit more on track, especially that one. I think every other episode I think I would defend as being, like, consistent and telling some form of story or having a purpose... But that one to me was like the only outlier, um, which was cool. It had some great Star Wars stuff in it, but it just seemed very separate from the entire rest of the show. So I think that, again, this is kind of like made me more uh, have more faith in where this is going. And again, even though if we have some more like random episodes, I'm fine with that. But I have the faith that these two parters will always be important, that there's more of that stuff coming and we'll see where things lead in terms of what they've built up to. I don't think it necessarily needs to be another continuation of anything we've had here. There'll obviously be a continuation of the entire, like, what happens to clones thing, but I think it could very much go down a different route as it did in the previous season of being, like, you know, how do we rescue another clone? How do we kind of, like, uh, get off this planet? How do we kind of, like, escape this situation that we're stuck in, which kind of, like, talks about the wider problem at, at, at hand. So, yeah, I'm excited to see, like, more episodes like this, but I'm also equally as happy to see the dynamic change. Now, the echo is left, for example, you know, how will that change for the next episode? Or, you know, next episode, will it be Crosshair again or something like that? I think that would be quite refreshing. So, Yeah, because who's happens. Crosshair's boss now? Yeah, very true. That'll very be interesting. Cool. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, of course, because Rampart was sort of, you know, Crosshair was in Rampart's pocket, but I guess that's over now. Yeah. Back to Tarkin, mayhaps? Who knows? Yeah, but Tarkin never cared about the clones. Yeah, but he likes having, like, a cool assassin guy. I guess. (laughs) Don't say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, yeah. Um, Let's pop into, because I always love doing this, uh, let's give some recommendations for this week. Um, I'll go first, because I've just got a quick one. 
if you really if anyone really enjoyed the Andor prison arc, I really recommend Severance on Apple TV. Have either of you guys seen this? No, no, but I've heard really? great things. I, I, I've heard good things though. Yeah, we we started watching it this week. We haven't finished it yet, but really, really great sci-fi kind of what would you say like satire of the working environment mm-hmm. with a similar like how the hell are they gonna get out of here vibe really great stuff i'm can't believe we got andor and that in the same year i'm glad i'm only watching it now because otherwise i would have felt like as we've said trapped in palpatine's office <laughs> everything's too claustrophobic <laughs> people trapped in places and one last one because i i got back to it last night is i'm finally getting to the end of the rings of power and I've I've been oh. like a little a little critical of the show, and I I think that holds up. I think I've got my problems with the way it's run, but when you're kind of relaxing in the evening and drinking like some nice whiskey, immaculate vibes, great vibes in the show. It's nice being in Middle Earth, you know. And I'm I'm more excited for season two because I imagine it can only get better from here. Not a slight, but I mean, I think they'll work out some of the kinks, and that's all I have to say. So what about you, Jake? Um, what have I actually? I've got. I have started a new show which you can get on Netflix. Um, I've heard things about it before, and I thought, yeah, this sounds up my street. So, if you're a fan of the show Vikings, I would probably recommend this show. It's called The Last Kingdom, which basically explores the time period of the Anglo-Saxons and uh, the coming of the Vikings into England. Um, with Alfred the Great being the king and all that sort of story. Uh, Really good stuff. Highly recommend it. Uh, So check that out. That's on Netflix, The Last Kingdom. Uh, And for reading material, I would say, because that sort of got me thinking about Vikings and um, I'm just sort of looking into a bit of mythology, I recently read a book called The Viking Spirit, uh, which is just about sort of an introduction to Norse mythology and the Norse religion itself. Uh, fascinating read. So if you're a fan of like Odin, Thor, and all of that, some really weird stories, and some of them are as metal as AF. You know what I mean? Like it's like I can see why heavy metal draws inspiration from Norse mythology because it is quite metal. Uh, so check that book out if you're a fan of the gods and stuff like that. And Niall, once we finish um, airing, let's speak about Rings of Power because I've actually done a rewatch. And I and and uh, I have just mixed feelings about the show. Okay, because so, I've so got one episode left, and I'm going to watch it after uh, yeah. this. I've got some whiskey ready to do my my vibing, but nice, I'll be very nice. I'm very curious to hear about it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, but, I would be in, interested in being involved in that as well. Because yeah, I didn't. I haven't rewatched it, but I, I definitely had mixed vibes. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Any recommendations? Anything? Um, I can't remember if I've mentioned before, but obviously I know that uh, Jake has seen this, but um similar note of where we're talking about with this episode about fantastic animation and the themes of kind of like you know class and stuff like that i've recently been thinking again about arcane which i really want to rewatch because it was just such a beautiful beautiful series and like so the ending of it fucking good i'm yeah. sorry for the swearing but, but it yeah. deserves it arcane. holy cow jake's like and, dancing this and is the, great. the soundtrack Incredible. is fantastic Incredible. amazing moments like so good i can't wait for season two of that one and uh, when I've started watching recently, I've tried like a few of the like Netflix ones. Nothing's kind of like stood out to me too much. 
but one that I have enjoyed, which I still need to like, you know, fully delve into, but what I've seen so far, I've liked is Hunters on uh, Amazon Prime, which is uh, the Al Pacino the Nazi hunting, Nazi hunting mm. uh, show. Yeah. So again, similar vibes of, uh, you know, <laughs> Nazis, you know, with uh, stormtroopers. Uh, <laughs> Fascism. So, yeah, I've uh, enjoyed what I've seen. I refuse so to acknowledge Nazis as a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of... Uh, just where do I go when when Niles says that? Fascism is a vibe. Yes, I'm shutting you down. Okay, similar plot uh, elements of Nazis and fighting them, but this film, uh, this series does have you know just a, a great style and like great characters and very like kick-ass and and fun moments, but also a lot of sinister and dark moments. That's kind of one of my dream Star Wars shows. Is that concept set after Return of the Jedi, like the Repub- like a team of rebels hunting down Imperials in hiding? Is that not what you Indiana know? Jones and the Dial of Doom is? <laughs> yeah, but I want this in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but Disney owns uh, both now, so maybe just, maybe they uh, do what? combine. Dial, <laughs> uh, it'll be a great way to um, bring back Werner Herzog. Yeah. Get, get, get them hunting down that imperial warlord. Uh, re- rewatching Inglorious Bastards recently has got me in such a mood to get those guys. Why isn't no one out there doing it? Maybe get that's yeah. maybe that's what. That's uh, how you bring Br- Brad Pitt into Star Wars. Maybe that's what Omega's <laughs> arc is. You know, we've seen that a bit again with the uh, Ando, etc. With pe- people who were angry at the Empire and stuff. She's just like, I am angry, and you know, maybe that's where it leads. She wants to like, you know, kill some Nazis. I want Cut. scalps. <laughs> And I want my trooper helmets. <laughs> oh, that works too. That's pretty good. So yeah, some great recommendations there. And of course, Milf Manor is streaming somewhere in America. This is just the craziest reality show I've heard of in a while. I've not seen it, but I might. Do you know this, Jake? No, I've not heard of this. The, show, the, the title alone is just a bit strange. Milf it's Manor. just like, you know, uh, attractive older women and young men in a manner and it's like who's gonna end up with who oh is it one of those like it's like like a bachelor sort of thing type of show but do you know the twist what the young men are all the son of one of the milfs no yeah that's kind of weird it is weird america is in trouble that is wait the way you said that very all strange. the men are, are the son so are they clones or something? Or is this one person <laughs> we're talking about? I, is he like a This is why he, he matters. Yeah. <laughs> I want to let it be known I support MILF pensions. Is this like Star Wars, like the son, the daughter, like you know, is oh is that what this is? This is like they've <laughs> the gone son, to the like daughter, the MILF. <laughs> is it like the chosen one is chosen from this this series? Like they go to, they go there to You must the be the chosen Mortis one arc. to keep my children at bay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam Whitworth play the sun. I think we should. I think we should move on. <laughs> we're we're off the rails again. We're so close, so close <laughs> so to the close end. To the end, though, we still keep going. In hey, fact, you keep let, me on this episode. I'll keep producing ideas. There's, you know, Escape from Palpatine's office. There's, uh, you know, Force Milf t- decision maker. You know, we got them Force all. Force Milf. Force <laughs> I said the sun, you know, like that. What was what that uh, arc called? The um, the Mortis arc. Mortis arc, yeah. So you know, it's God, the Mortis meets Milf. Mortis Milf. Is the father of Tilf? Nile. A question. We need to wrap up now. <laughs> <This is> just... <laughs>
<laughs> uh, let, let's stop. Let, we got. I'm on strike. We, Goodbye. I think this might be the latest we've ever recorded. I'm not sure, and yeah. I think it's starting to it's starting to show. He's yeah, lying. <laughs> He's lying. So yeah. So that's uh, that's the Monday Lorians for this week. I love the idea that this might be someone's first episode of the show. I think this is a a very interesting introduction. And uh, yeah, just quick plugs for me. You can follow me on Twitter at Niall the Glynn, and you can find all my other stuff I do on there as well. Um, Jake, you're kind of staying off the socials, yep. but we can always find you here. You can always find me here. And uh, I mean, I'll let Dave talk about this more, but I was uh, a guest recently on his podcast, Well Good Movies, talking about Seven. So I had a lot of fun going on board there and discussing that movie. It's one of my favorites and it's out now wherever you get your podcasts. So have a listen. Yeah, if you want to carry on that theme of just like chaos and madness and silly jokes, then yeah, you can catch uh, myself on Well Good Movies with my co-host uh, Craig McDonald. Uh, Jake, as he said, uh, joined us for our episode talking about Seven, which will be out now. And uh, the episode which we got coming up next, uh, when this is out, we'll be talking all about Rush Hour. So uh, that <laughs> one's fun and similar vibes to where you guys have, you know, like uh, said that, you know, lambasted me about my uh, taste of films at the beginning of this episode. You know, the seven episode, there was like the entire discussion of is seven horror or does it have horror elements in which like I brought up this conversation apparently. And then in Rush Hour, I brought up the fact that it felt like a film and people had issue with the fact that I just felt that Rush Hour was a movie. And that was my, my, my opinion is that it felt like a film, which I guess I could say to anything. So who knows what will come up in the next one. Well, next week we'll have an update from Martin Scorsese on whether Rush Hour is cinema. <laughs> yeah. We always have his email. We can ask him these things and that'll settle the matter once and for all. I like Rush Hour. I kind of have a soft spot for it. I think it's just like the Jackie Chan of the 90s is what I grew up on before I got into like his real kung fu stuff, his real classics. If, but, uh, to make my point, if you watch something like Stuber, like a comedy like that now, and you watch Rush Hour, you'll see what I mean by, you know, it's a film or cinema. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Modern comedy. I don't really know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. Palpatine's office. (laughs) (laughs) I have your comedy. (laughs) It's just, no, that's the only funny thing that can be produced. So we need to make this. So, you know, hurry up. Time's of the essence. We have to go make it. The time's of the essence. We have to save comedy. We have to save comedy, guys. The galaxy (laughs) is within our hands. So, uh, yeah, uh, whether you use Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, subscribe and follow us on there. And if you're an Apple, leave us a rating and review. It all helps. And, of course, follow the Mondaylorians on Twitter, at Mondaylorians. And, yeah, hopefully next week we're out of Palpatine's office. Uh, goodbye. Thanks for joining, guys. This is the way. <laughs> Imperial Storm. da 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs>